Utah. You could hear a pin shot. And now, overnight scores, expert comment and controversy on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Good morning. Welcome to the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Yes, we're back. We've had a few weeks off, but it's all over. The Christmas holiday, back to reality. Neil Breen in the chair for Ray Thomas this morning and a special guest star because Dean Bulldog, Richie Jizzy, can get find a holiday. Bulldog, he's off for a couple more weeks. Stewie Clark's here. How are you, Stewie? Breenie, good morning, every good morning, good morning to everyone. I feel like just in, just sitting next to you. It's like a glow that comes off you, the radio personality that you're. Oh, I'm shut sitting, up! I'm sitting. You're next the to, radio personality. Mate, You've been on ABC all <laughs> mate, all summer. It feels like I should. It's like me talking to Viv Richards of radio. That's what it's like. I'm so nervous. Oh, good. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I have done a bit of radio over the summer, but anyway. Hey, Stewie, how was your summer, mate? Can I say Happy New Year? When do we cut off Happy New Year? Yeah, a couple of weeks I, think, ago. I think we're done, mate. I think Happy New Year's done. But, mate, summer obviously filled with cricket. I was covering it for radio, for ABC. It was good fun down in Melbourne and Sydney. I'll give you – you know what? We we were really worried at the start of the year. What were Pakistan going to be like? We were yeah, like – 100%. Oh, goodness. Are they going to be – mate, they were excellent. They were excellent. They as stuck far it as to drive, Australia. They, they tried a, really hard. Different stages. They gave us a red-hot crack. If they could catch, especially at first slip, oh. the world would have been different. But – Unfortunately, they couldn't. But I tell you what, they were really accommodating post-match. Like, they'd always yeah. send someone down. Shaquille was great. A great Jamal was a great interview. Sean yeah. Masood was really, really good. Um, Afridi at different stages was really – they just were engaging, and they just took it upon to try and have a good time. Okay, they were outplayed and outmuscled at different stages, but if those 13 or the 14 that played turn up again in four years' time, Oh, man, I reckon they can give Australia a red-hot crack for the money, especially if they get Nazim Shah or whatever his name back to bowl fast. And Freedy's still playing. Yeah. Spinner comes along. Mate, they've got the foundations of a good team. But you can see there was a bit of turmoil with Bubba's arm being left out. That was it, yeah. uh, not being captain anymore. You saw that was a an bit issue. weird. It, it was just a bit weird. And I thought Masood did a really good job managing the whole situation. Yeah. But you could just see there was a bit of Bit of tension in the camp. Hey, we'll get back to the cricket in a sec, Stuart, because I'm going to pick your brain a lot on the show this morning because there's been a lot happening in and around the Australian team. But we have to start with tennis this morning, Stuart, because the Australian Open starts today. It's the first time it's ever going to be a 15-day tournament. Starts on a Sunday. The French Open has been doing this for a long time. Uh, the, the officials, Craig Tiley and all that sort of stuff, he looks east and talks west, but he's saying, oh, it's because we want to stop those night matches that finish in the early hours of the morning. I just think the broadcasters wanted another day of tennis. Because, Correct. Yeah, tonight we've got Novak Djokovic versus Dino Prezimic. What have we got? Serbia v Croatia, 7 o'clock. That'll be... Uh, <laughs> do you take your flares or what? Oh, what you I, I, <laughs> flares, I you're not allowed to take your flares. Flares, flares optional. Any, anyone listening, that was a joke. You can't take flares. Do not take flares. <laughs> but you know what? It'll be the height of uh, the two nationalities down there in Melbourne tonight. Yeah, for sure. Mate, Novak's there. Look, is, is anyone really going to beat Novak? Like, uh, only Alcaraz. Alcaraz, maybe. Well, he got to... He did well last year. He won Wimbledon. He beat Novak at Wimbledon. He can win. The thing is, Novak Djokovic absolutely just loves the Australian hard court. That's what I mean. The court. It's his court. It, the court actually said, what's he won? Eight of them? Seven or eight of I these? Think he's won nine. Has he won he? nine of these now? Goodness gracious. Google it, boys. Go, come on. Nick. I saw Andre Agassi's out here for the Australian Open, and he said. Is he sporting um, the big mullet it, it, still? Or is no, he no, bald? no. He's, he's all totally bald now. Well, he was bald back in the day, and, and the mullet yeah, was I mean. a week. He could just whack it back on. We've no, 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 no difference, <laughs> would we? But anyway, he said that, you know, he goes, you know, for goodness sake, Novak's won more Australian Opens than I won Slams. Yeah. 
It's unbelievable. He loves the court. He's on uh, Arena Sabalenka. She's the uh, second seed defending champion. She'll be after Novak tonight. But uh, you've got the list of matches today. I thought, oh, it'll be a bit of a soft start. No, no, no. There's a thousand matches today. I started to count them, and I, I got up to 28 matches. Now, that's a lot of matches in one day. Ten match, ten, ten, Novak's one. Ten. Ten? Ten. He's in a double figures. That's more than most guys have won Grand Slams. It's more matches. He's won ten Grand Slams. How many people have won more Grand Slams cumulatively than him? Six, seven? Sampras, um, Emerson, is it Emerson? Federer, yeah. Nadal. That's it. Laver. Well, how many did Laver win in total? Laver won 11, 11 in total. So there's one more. Two of them were Grand Slams, then three yeah. others. And yeah. then, um, obviously, the, the professional era sort of knocked there'd, him around a little be bit. There'd be five or six people that have won more Grand Slams. Then he's won Australian yeah, Opens. Australian Opens. Yeah, That's, I think you're 100% correct. So I'm, I'm counting matches tonight. The Demon, I think he plays tomorrow just looking at the schedule here. I can't see him on the schedule. I think we'll see the Demon tomorrow. He'll be tomorrow, yeah, night. tomorrow he'll night. He'll be the primetime match yeah, on he, nine tomorrow night. That's what I was thinking. He'd be the, he'll be the guy. The, the Demon, he's had a good start to the summer and all the, the United Cup and all the various cups. He's in the top ten now. Absolutely. But he, he doesn't look to me like he's the sort of player who's going to win a Grand Slam. You know what? He, he's a very good defensive player. Uh, he gets the ball back. He makes you play an extra shot. We'll have Roger Rashid on, I think, but later this morning. But, you know, he'll say the same thing. He just makes you play that extra shot. But does he have the big weapon? He doesn't have the big serve. Yeah. He doesn't have the big ground strokes off the forehand or the backhand side. He's, he's, got, he's got skill. Don't I'm not trying to bag um, the demon. I just, that's the last thing I'm trying to do. But does he have the firepower to beat the big names? Well, I see Novak's, you know, what, he's got a lot of weapons. One of them's the serve. Even Steve Smith can return it. Did you see that? <laughs> Doesn't it? Mate, Steve Smith, do you reckon you could return Novak's serve? Do you play tennis? I reckon I could get one back if you gave me a few goes. I, that's what I was sitting there going, okay, the thing with Smith is it was the first one he knocked it back. I reckon I could get one back after a period of time. I reckon I could. You know have. what he'd kill me with it? If he started to hit kick serves or spinning serves. Yeah. Mate, he hit one hard, so I'd be going, oh, hang on, I'll just jump back here a bit. Yeah. And then he hit one that spun. I reckon I'd miss it by I, re- I reckon I could eventually get one back. <laughs> it's just the same as I, I reckon if I played 18 holes with Tiger Woods, I would eventually on one hole have my approach shot closer than his because he'd eventually put one in the trees or something. You know what I mean? Once, <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll go no, once. It. Once in eighteen holes, you'll put one down the middle, and you'll put a, uh, you'll put an iron to what if, fifteen foot. Did you read that story during the week that he's broken with Nike? Did yeah. you see that? Yeah, yeah. Six hundred, seven hundred million dollars. They were talking across the course of thirty years. He owns the rights to the TW, you know, the trademark. Yeah. So I was, I was thinking that when that all happened, being my putting my sports administrator hat on, who owns the rights to that mark? Because he can then take that mark and put it on, put it on anything, tailor made, Adidas, whatever exactly. he wants. So and that's valuable. And if he puts the shirt on, right? If Tiger wears the shirt, people, people will buy. People it. are going to buy it, aren't they? So it's an interesting split. But he obviously look. Look, there comes a point when I look at players, people like Tiger Woods and everyone. You think, oh yeah, he earned that money there, but he wants to earn more over there. How much do you need? At some point, <laughs> I don't know, mate. If well, you want fair, to... mate, we had. Well, well, tell me how it's going. We had a cricketer turn up into a helicopter, turn up in a helicopter <laughs> on the weekend. Mate, how much money do you need? Well, if you can travel around in helicopters everywhere, maybe Who that's paid what... for that chopper. Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming cricket did to get him there. 
for like, the publicity you, and have everything. You, have you, you would have been in your travels. You would have been a bit of a helicopter guy. You've, you've travelled a few times. Um, I've hardly ever been in a helicopter in my life, I, only in the course of journalism. I did catch a chopper out to Widden Stud once. That was a good day out yeah. in the Hunter Valley. Yeah, right. Um, no, I haven't been in choppers too often. I've only ever been in one. We were in Africa for cricket, and they flew us from Cape Town down to the tip of yes. Africa. And you can see the Indian Ocean and... Um, Pacific Ocean is it Pacific? Yeah, I think so. Atlantic, Atlantic or whatever it is. Yeah, um, meeting, and that was a that was a really fun trip. Was it? Yeah, it was a good trip. And then we saw a big shark about forty three meters long, and we were coming back. Really, in the and water, the, and the, the helicopter stopped, and and we were all like, "Oh, what's happening here?" And he he was sort of on our earphones. He said, "Look down," and there was this little black dot in the water. Oh, and he said, "That's a shark. I'll go down." And he dropped down to about whatever. And this thing was like two hundred great wide, yeah, two hundred meters offshore. And there oh. were people swimming and having a good time, and we were like, "Get out of the water, you fools!" <laughs> I don't want to know about that. You can leave me out of that. Hey, so the tennis is on. Um, we will talk to Roger Rashid later in the show. There's plenty to go through. Like, like if you and I tried to go through these oh, matches mate. today, we, we'd end up just talking in gibberish, mate. You wouldn't even know half the people on here. I don't know. Half There's the that people. many matches on today. You can watch tennis all day and all night. Hey, mate, onto the cricket. Okay, you've mentioned the Pakistan series. We won it 3-0. We're playing the West Indies. It starts in Adelaide on Wednesday. You're going to be there commentating on the match. And everything is centred around the fact that Warner's retired. We've got to have a new 11, a new batting lineup. And this Smith thing was funny about him opening. It, it first got floated. Then it gathered momentum. And then other journos started writing about it. You started talking about it. Then Smith said, I'll do it. It felt as though the fix was in, like they always wanted to do it or something. You know what, we were we were sitting in the commentary box just chatting away about, you know, Bancroft, Harris. Renshaw. Renshaw. Green. That that was always the hot tip in, in the back. That he was going to yeah, open. Yeah, that was always the hot tip. And then out of the blue, this rumour came that, oh, Smith's going to do it. Yeah, and, Peter Lawler first wrote it in the Australian. And we were a bit like... Well, caught me a bit off guard. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit odd. So anyways, we were then started to talk about it. Post-match, we were interviewing Smith after he did whatever he did. I don't know. What do you think? He said, yeah, I'll give it. If the selectors... And, he, and he, put a, he put a few caveats around it yeah. in the sense that he said, look, if the selectors won, Pat wants me to do it and the coach won't... And, but the way he said it was like, oh, mate, I'm going to open the batting. This is a fait accompli. Yeah. Now, whether that's the long term... I think the bigger concern is Warner goes... Kwaja's 37. He he's nearly play. done. He's, he's getting closer to the end than he is the start. Now, he Why? could actually get another two or three years out if he if he scores runs. But it'll all be, and like anything in professional sport, if you're young and not getting runs, they send you back to first-class cricket. If you're 37 and not getting runs... That's it. it you, you sort of, once they make the decision that you're not really coming back, you're yeah. not, there's not too many 42-year-olds. Well, Jimmy Anderson's still playing, I suppose. But um, playing, so... If he goes and Warner goes, you've got two young openers. So maybe the discussion has been Smith um, will put him up the top there and will give us some stability for a couple more years whilst when Kwaja goes, then we'll have an older guy and we'll bring a younger guy in and try and build it. Try and build way. it like so that. So it's got a bit of a succession planning to it. Yeah. It's a big ask though. Look, and I'm. Does mate, he want a new challenge, Stewie? Yeah, I've heard that one and maybe that's the case. Does Smith really. Smith could bat at four and he's averaging 58 in Test cricket. Like. What does he want to cha- he could have a challenge, but it's not going to make any difference to him. He's he's still challenged batting at four. Yeah, it's not. 
you know, it might be mentally a different challenge for him or something like that. My question is, what happens if he fails three times? What do you do with him? What do you do then? Do you put him back to full? What if, what if against the West Indies, it just doesn't suit him and he just gets pinged early? Just you nicks know, one. New just, ball, bang, bang, bang. Just plays down the line and one nicks it. Yeah, which oh. happens when you open the batting, right? You know, bat at the top of the order. If you bat anywhere. Look, batting, if you can bat four, if you can bat... You can bat three, you can bat one, two. That's the way I look at it. If you bat and that sort of... But it was an interesting discussion because it came out of nowhere. No one was expecting it. No. The hot tip was Bancroft to come back... Oh, sorry, uh, Green to come back in the team. Um, they desperately want him in there because of... He's an all-rounder and he's 24. He's 24 the, and, and they love him. And that's... Uh, no problems yeah. with and Green. And you know what? I, no I, problems I, with I, Green. I actually go... He's a bit of a generational player. You look at him and you go, all right, I understand why you want him in the team. It's a little bit hard on Bancroft and Harris who have got, you know, they say to them, go back to Shield Cricket and get plenty of runs. Well, they go and do that. And what I does s- it mean? I still think when I watch Cameron Bancroft bat, he's got some technical deficiencies. Yeah. He plays around, his front pad goes and he sort of fends at the ball a little bit. But that said, he gets runs. So, yeah, you've got technical deficiencies, but you've worked out a way to uh, I to feel find sorry it. for him too. He's been an interesting case, Bancroft. We, we can talk about it a little bit later in the show, especially when we've got some time in the last hour. You know, he came into the test team and his very first test kind of, you know, Warner encouraged him to reveal the story that Johnny Bairstow headbutted him when he first arrived in Australia. And next thing you know, Bancroft, after his first test, is doing a press conference about getting headbutted. And I thought, geez, they've stuck a lot on this bloke for his first test. And I don't know, it just hasn't quite worked out for him at test level. But the Renshaw thing, Renshaw comes in. The reason they've chosen Renshaw isn't because, oh, he's the next opener. It's because they think if there is a head knock and a player is eliminated, a batsman, he can bat better at five or six than Bancroft. Is that right or, uh, or am I misreading it? No, nah, look, I think he's the – they see him as the next best batter. So, Do they? Yeah, okay. I think so. And and sort of McDonald alluded to this at different stages during the test that we're going to pick our six, seven best batters and put them in an order. Mm. We'll work out what the order is. And, That's and interesting. He sort of, so I think they see him. I would have actually gone with him. I wouldn't. I would have said to Smith, stay down the order. And I would have left... Put Renshaw in. And yeah, I would have said, look, we're going to go with Renshaw. We think he's the future. He can bat. He, look, second time round, he'll be a lot better as well. He got thrown into the deep... When I, he first got thrown in as a 20-year-old, he had to play his first ever test. It was a night test against South Africa at the Adelaide Oval. It was when they upended five or six blokes because that series was going yeah, pear-shaped and you got the CEO, James Sutherland's in dressing rooms telling them all, we don't pay you, we pay you to 100%. win. 100%. That's... So he got 179 against Pakistan, then fell out of favour, went back, and he struggled a bit. But he actually worked his way back through the middle order in Queensland yep. and got runs. Back to the top of the order, got runs. So he's actually gone and done the same thing. Bank the hard yards, yeah. I, I, I actually quite like the story. They gave him a go. It didn't quite work out. They didn't just put him on the scrap heap and say, never again. Mm. Go and work on your game, get better. Now he's, he's only 27. That. Mate, he's, and he, that's what I mean. He's 27. He can still play for another eight years. Easy. If he gets his sort of, if he keeps scoring runs, I worry that. Well, I don't worry because he's in the squad now, and he's better off being in the twelve than not in the twelve. And he's in the twelve now. Yeah. So there he is. Hey, the big bash. Okay, but the big bash. It's kind of like a scrambled egg to try and work out what goes on in the big bash. Let's start with the table. There's a, <laughs> there's a couple of games going on because there's just games on every night. Yeah. Most people would do what I do. They would fall asleep and wake up in the morning. And go. I wonder who won that big bash game last night. It's great background noise. Isn't it? It's unreal. You just sort of sit there, dip and in, dip out. Like, oh, what's the go score? Oh yeah. Right. All oh, right. Oh, geez. Maxwell's batting. That's great. Oh, did, he's not no, batting. Okay. Yeah, well. oh, all right. What's next? <laughs> it, it is good fun. Look, the heater on top of the table. They lost to the Scorchers yesterday on 
16, Scorchers 13, Sixers 12, Strikers 9, Stars 8. They're the only teams that can make the final. Uh, the Sydney Thunder, who've won only one game, they're playing today against the Strikers. The Sixers play the Scorchers in Perth on Tuesday. The Thunder are playing against the Renegades again on Wednesday. They're just dead rubbers. Then there's finals next Friday, Saturday, the following Monday. And then the actual final is Wednesday, the 24th. So that's the situation. Look, the Sixers will be in the finals. And Stewie, you put it before the show when you said to me, it's like when you were a kid growing up, it's just a good old-fashioned final four. It's final four. One plays two, three plays four, loser three, four out the door. Preliminary final, final. Yeah, that's the way. I don't Old school. That. I don't mind that. I, I actually think that's a good way. Get it done quick. The Sixers, so just look, the Thunder are gone. So the Sixers, if they beat Perth, they'll finish second. That means they go straight to Brisbane and play the semi-final up there, which was washed out when they played those those two teams played earlier in the year. Yeah. If they lose... And they'll I host think, a final. I think they'll host a final... Um, Against, against the Strikers against or the, the Stars. Against the Strikers or the Stars, one way or the other. Because I don't think the Strikers or the Stars can catch Well, they can't. There's only two, one, really one game care. to go and whatever it may be. So, Sixers win. They'll, they'll go straight to Brisbane. And then if they not, get the double chance. They get the double chance. If they lose, they get a minor semi at home. And if you, and if you win, you get the final at home. You get it in Sydney. So... No one wants to play Perth in Perth at the end. Because that's, no. the t- that's the tough match because they're really good over 41 there. degrees there yesterday yeah, too yeah, when no, they so played. It'll be hard. And, mate, the wicket, whilst, you know, people go, oh, up this day, it's not the wacker. It's still more bouncy than everyone yep. else in the country. Okay. There's a bit of football around as in soccer. And last night the Asian Cup began. And what was the score prediction? Socceroos v India? Everyone thought we'd just belt them. Didn't they? Oh, 12 nil, 13 nil, 10 nil. like that. Yeah. Well, at halftime, it was nil all, Stewie. Yeah, that was always going to be the case. Though. Nil all at halftime. In the end, they won 2 nil, the Socceroos, to open their Asian Cup account. They now play Syria on Thursday at 10.30. So that's the situation with the Asian Cup. Did you know that in the A-League... Stay awake. I'm talking A League. Stay awake. Is it? Does that still A League? The A League is still on. You went, didn't you? Yes, I did last night. Did you know that the A League is having its magic round this weekend in Sydney? It's called I did. Unite I did, yeah. Round or something. I did because you told me outside. No one knew. No, like where was the publicity for it? Where was the only so the, the problem I have with the A League? And and believe me, like I've been to quite a few Sydney FC games. My my kids keen, and his schoolmates are keen, and they love going to the soccer. And and we've been several times. So I didn't realise it was Unite Round because last weekend I said, oh, the FC's playing away next week because Adelaide's mm. home game. But anyway, it turned out to be Unite Round. Right. The problem is because it's on. Is it? Paramount Plus, yep. and it's not on Fox Sports, it's not on and 10, it's, it's on not 10. on mainstream. People just don't know what's going on. We and don't it, hear about it anymore, mate. I know. It's, it's so sad that that competition, that it, it grew and it was growing. And, and it's entertaining. <clears throat> so this is one of the challenges for sport. If you take your sport... Away like, from Fox Sports and... I'm, I'm going to say mainstream pay TV. Yeah. Okay, because... Okay, yep. And I'm, you know, all, all due respect to you know, Paramount and all the other ones, not everyone has that. More, more people have Fox than that. Or if you take it off free-to-air TV, which is the bigger death knell of your sport, mm. you basically kill your sport. Now, you take the money for the first go. The second go is your sport's not worth anything because no, one's, no one knows it's on anymore. That's right. You've got to be so The rights careful. next time round are down. You know, so last night, so, so firstly, Central Coast Mariners and Melbourne Victory played out a one-all draw. That was the early game at Allianz Stadium. 
Then Sydney FC were, were pretty hot favourites to knock over Adelaide because they've been in better form, FC. The final score was 4-3. It was a highly entertaining to Adelaide, mm. right? Adelaide wins it for – it was highly entertaining. There, there was good play. Everything about it was good. There was a decent crowd. But then tonight, the, this thing continues, this Unite round. And guess what? There's two matches tonight. One of them is at 7.45 p.m. at Combank. That's Perth and Wellington. 7.45 p.m. Yeah. The other one is at Allianz at 7.45 p.m. Brilliant. So which one are you going to watch? <laughs> How do you watch it? Well, you know, like, why isn't there a doubleheader at Allianz today starting at 1 o'clock? Get kids there. People love Sunday afternoon Mate, footy. Tell people it's on to start with. I, did, I had no idea. I know. I know. There was just nothing about it. There was a little bit of Premier League. Uh, Burnley and Luton Town won all. Not many matches this weekend. Chelsea won Fulham nil. I've just got to get a final score. Newcastle, Man City. I was watching that before we came on air, but I didn't get a final score there. Tomorrow, Tottenham are away to Manchester United. So we'll Ange. see. If, yeah. Are you, are, you, are you still on board with Ange? Are we still? I'm Ange balling. Yeah. Yeah. 3-2 Man City. That was it. Nick's just given me the result there. So that's the situation in the Premier League. Mate, Rugby League, Zorba after 8 o'clock this morning. There's really only been two stories since we were off air. Luai, he's put that to bed. He's going to the West Tigers. It's all happening. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's great. But then the rest of it was just West Tigers. Since we've left... Were you on when they announced the new CEO? Were you here? I was um, was hosting Drive on 2GB and it was all happening... Right, yeah. On the show. And so so the board got upended. There's a whole new broom. Scott Fulton's gone. gone. It's all – Shane the, Richards is in there the trying janitor, to rebuild it. The, the, the gear steward got the boot. The gear steward's it, gone. It was his fault, obviously. Yeah, he, yeah. Didn't make any tackles. Or, he, he brought the wrong electrical he, tape to keep he, their socks he, up. He didn't polish the studs out, <laughs> the dirt out of the studs properly. So uh, the gear steward – I look, big uh, big barrier barrels in charge of the East chairman. Big boff. Boff, the big, the big fellas in charge. He'd had a crack at that before, but then he had to give it away because he was made chairman of Racing Australia and had to spend a bit yeah. of time in and Richo, Melbourne. Richo's back, isn't he? He's just one of the great stalwarts of rugby league. Richo. He's just wheeling about. There's Richo. Woof, there is. I, I didn't even know. Like, So I was asking a few people. I'd heard it was all going on. And someone said to me, it's an old school administrator. You would have heard of him. You know, my mind didn't even turn to Richo. Yeah, no. So I just thought he was living the good life. And well, hey, look, he's been around forever. And I've gone. And then he came out and did, did you see the press conference? Yeah. If I was a West fan, I would have been that excited. Because he touched on every point. Members, players, sponsorship. Oh yeah. After after the press conference, finished, you were a believer. I just saw back and went, "Wow, this is great." Then I thought, after about twenty minutes, I went, "How's he going to do all that in six months?" <laughs> I, I don't know. I suppose he'll end up there longer term. Look, Richo. In the meantime, was up in Brisbane trying to help East, the Brisbane club East, which is a, a, a poker machine driven juggernaut, so it's got a lot of money, just like Redcliffe was. That's yep. how the Redcliffe, that's how the Dolphins got into the comp. Yep. Stacks and stacks of, of basically pokey money. They were so financially viable that mm-hmm. Volandis loved them. He was up there trying to get a rival bid in, yeah, but right. they, they were ultimately unsuccessful. Look, the West Tigers now, it's all, they can't put season 2024 and say, oh, look, next year we get Luai. Yeah, they need results this season. What, what's a pass mark? I, I think it's threatened. Oh yeah, Nick just held up ten. I reckon it's threatening finals. They don't have to make the finals. I think, 
But I, I think the pressure on Benji Marshall is going to be immense. Immense. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, and it will be because he's a new coach. and New coach, know. and he got what he wanted, and there's and the whole his, Scott Fulton thing. And, and it's his ship, and you know, all we're, that, we're sailing yeah. it in my direction and all that. Top 10, you reckon? So it's no, final. doesn't have to make finals. Just somewhere. Just I, I don't think they can afford to win six be and lose 18. Be competitive, you reckon? Yeah, just... What, what about, do they finish ahead of the Dragons? I think they will. Who do you support, by the way? I am. Um, oh, well, I'm a, a Brisbane person, born and bred, so I'm a Broncos fan. But when I was, but I've always got a soft spot for Canterbury because when I was a kid growing up in Queensland, I loved Canterbury Bankstown because right. when I was 11 when they made the 79 grand final and 12 when they won in 80 and the whole Steve Mortar and entertainers and the whole thing. Right, right. Okay. And then Walk Ryan took them over. Then. They became the anti-entertainers and won, <laughs> and won two grand finals in 84-85 by kicking bombs into the end goal and, and tackling. And tackling. So, <laughs> so do you reckon the Tigers, just quickly, do we have to go to the, we go to the news at 7.30? Yeah, we? we're going to go to a break, uh, yeah. Do we, uh, Tigers finish in front of the Dragons? I say they do. I, I Really? I went right through the Dragons side the other day. We'll, we'll save it up for later in the show. I went right through their squad. I was wincing. Right. I'm worried about the Dragons. Are you? Are you not worried about them? Oh, I mean, I support Cronulla, so I hate the Dragons. I couldn't care if they came last or not. Flano will do a good job. Shane Flanagan. I go for Illawarra. You I, go for I, Illawarra. I go for, I go you for only Illawarra. go for half the team. <laughs> I just go for the socks. I used to run that joke 20 years ago on this show. I just go for the socks. <laughs> Rightio. Well, you get into your sock drawer while we're having this ad break, and we'll be back with plenty more soon on Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Talking all the overnight action. The Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Yes, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Neil Breen and Stewie Clark in the chair. The situation is Ray Thomas. Ray Thomas fans, he'll be back in two weeks today. Two weeks from today and so will Dean Ritchie. So Stewie and I are guiding you through the next couple of Sundays. And Stewie, I better get into the racing. Look, later this half hour we'll have Ritchie calendar. But... Magic Millions Day it was yesterday, and the hits kept coming. Like, like, like There's so many races on Magic Millions Day now. There's 11. There's this race, that race, mm. Phillies and Mares race, Stayers races. But the Magic Millions two-year-old, the favourite in the race was the Waterhouse bot-trained Storm Boy. And impeccably bred, justify the champion American horse who comes out here as a shuttle stallion. The mare that it came out of was Pelican, hence the name Storm Boy, harking back to the movie. Right. $460,000 yearling it was. Gay Waterhouse famously rolled into the a pub at Penrith and sold shares to all of these you know, wealthy-type Penrith businessmen. And guess what happened in the race yesterday? Ching, ching. Ching, ching. Topping the straight, Storm Boy struck the front. Arabian Summer into the clear. Likewise, Highness getting through in the middle. Erno's Cuban spy wire out wider. It's Storm Boy in front, 100 metres left to run. Highness can't bridge back the margin. Then spy wire, but it's all Storm Boy. And Storm Boy is too good for them in the two year old. Storm Boy by three. Second, Highness. Photo third. Spy wire or Erno's Cube. Oh, yeah, Storm Boy. Look, it had won in small fields in its first two starts. It did it a little bit tough at its last start in Queensland, but it was it was caught wide and it did the business. But yesterday, 
it justified the fact it's now $4.50 golden slipper favourite. Adam Hieronymus, Gay Wardhouse during the week said, Adam is riding so well he could win on a broomstick. Well, he won on a ripping horse yesterday. Here's Adam. Yeah, look, like I said to the owners again today, I said it last start and I said it again today. Jump was very important. Um, Got the first 600 metres right, we win. No question about it. He's a very good colt. Um, but he's just, he's still learning. Um, he jumps with them, but he's just not electric out. And, and that was my only concern in, a, in this pressure race today. Um, but we were able to hold a forward position and just had to wait till one crossed us. And once we got across outside the leader, uh, it's game over. The team have been confident all week with him, but just chatting about the team, Gay and Adrian, they have been your biggest supporters through everything. Yeah, no, it's it's unbelievable. And, um, like, I was here last year. I just started back, um, and I was here with Gay and Adrian and the two-year-olds last year. And, um, yeah, look, things were a lot different then to what they were now, and especially my suit pants. So I, was just, <laughs> I had to ask Adrian last last year to bring a spare set because I was worried mom we're going to split saddling the horses up but um, yeah look it's all about the owners Gay and Adrian um, and the horse he's, he's a beautiful horse and he's up there with with the better colts that Gay and Adrian have had in their stable and the ones that do succeed are the ones with the brilliant attitude and, and he's got that he's, 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 he's a big horse big colt but you only got to look at him now he's just he's so relaxed and um, it was effortless he's an absolute ripper you said there's, he's probably still untapped really we haven't even seen the best of him are we talking golden slipper yeah look I'd love to win the Todman and then, gold, then the golden slipper but um, at the moment it's, it's about today and um, yeah look I've had some big wins for Gay and Adrian but Gay hasn't been there so it's, it's, it's uh, very rewarding to to be able to um, win a Magic Millions for them um, and have Gay and Adrian here. Yeah, so there you go. She is the queen of the Magic Millions sales, Gay Waterhouse. Unbelievable, the publicity she generates. It was her fifth winner of the Magic Millions, Stewie, and in the partnership with Adrian Bott, it was their first together as partners. And if it goes on and wins the Golden Slipper, being a cult out of Justify, I'd say it's worth 50 mil. You get a share? No. Are you going to – you've been a few times, haven't you, to the Magic Millions? I, I, I've been plenty of times to the, the Magic sales num- The sales numbers every year we sit here, they go up and up, and you're talking 50 million. That, that's what the horse – that's yeah. what he'd be worth as a stallion. Yeah. I'd say. He's already worth something as a stallion, but you've got to win the big group one. Look, the Magic Million sales, top price was $2.1 million. Mm-hmm. For um, a, a filly, Tiaka Racing, the Kiwi mob, they bought it by Wooden Bassett out of advantage. The average, 800 of them sold, but a lot of the ones passed in to be sold now. The average price was 279256 mm. That's the average price, Stuart. Yeah, I know. That's about your wage. Oh, mate. It, I'm telling you, it's eye-watering. <laughs> It's eye-watering. The gross was two twenty-three. Barry Bowditch from the Magic Millions. He'll come on and he'll he'll tell us how they do it a little bit later. The publicity, mate. Publicity. Searching for the dream. You know, everyone goes, "Oh, look at that horse! It's won. It was, you know, they bought it for four sixty. Now it's worth fifty million. There were a lot of horses bought for a million dollars last year that aren't worth fifty grand now. Yeah, correct. Like it's just laws of averages and all of those things. But it's hot. You're in shorts and thongs. It's a party atmosphere. I mean at the sales. Yeah, correct. And you go to the sales, you walk around. It's intoxicating. It's like I said to the boys before the show. I said, you know, boys, you know how you handle the Magic Million sales? 
don't go because you'll end up just spending a fortune. I actually said to Ray Thomas many years ago when we were, I was doing the show, and I said I want one of those horses. I think it was take is it takeover target? That's the one with oh yeah yeah paid, Joe Janiak yeah, it, yeah and it was just twenty yeah. grand and. And won so, everything. Won everything. I said, I want one of those. Where do you get them from? But I think that's what everyone wants. <laughs> everyone wants one of those, but they're they're very very hard to find. Look, mainly a lot of the champions, and and they're not the top lots. They're horses that sold for a hundred something, two hundred something. Wings sold for two hundred thirty thousand. I think Capitalist was was something similar. I think Stay Inside that won the Golden Slipper and then became a thirty million dollar South Stallion was sold for about one hundred sixty thousand. Hey, Adrian Bott spoke after the the race as well. Gay was up in the grandstand cheering and waving the yeah. hat. And Adri- Adrian was down that's the part, bottom, but that's part of the thing. That's the thing. When the theatre, you see Gay waving the scarf or whatever it is. People go. Oh, I wouldn't mind doing that. I wouldn't mind getting in. I want to be. I want to be a part of that, and that's how it drags you in. It just drags you in. You become, mind you, when you go and watch horse racing. And I look. I'll be honest. I'm not a big horse, but when you go to the track and you watch them run past, mm. you you the the, the, thunder the thunder of the, the thunder of it going. The and horses the speed going. of them. Yeah, you don't realize how fast they are. And these huge animals with these little people sitting on top of them. I know. And you sit there going, "Oh my goodness." That it, it, it does grab the you. The power. It does grab you. Well, what, what's it called? It, it ain't called horsepower for nothing. Hey, here's Adrian Bott after the race. Certainly a thrill for this young man here. And you've really become the face of Australian racing. You bring such, I'm going to say youth. I'm not actually sure of your age, Adrian, but I'm going to say youth anyway. 36 for starting to go grey a little already. It's a short period. So, uh, no, but it's great. Fantastic. You know, it's, um, yeah, to, to be able to do that at this stage, obviously, you know, alongside Gay has been a you know, great mentor. In, in all things um, with the operation and racing and you know she's had great success at this carnival before so yeah really happy to be able to come here and, and win it once again with her yeah, this cold is just amazing to look at uh, saying to Ronnie he already looks like a stallion and he's just got the, an amazing attitude yeah he does you know he really put it together today his first run up in Queensland he was a little bit sort of on his toes but today he just sort of really took it in I was sort of half even worried how, how quiet he was parading around um, you know but I think that's what happens the, the trip away up here they they mature a lot, and that's what they're going to need to do going into the um, going into the autumn in Sydney. We've got a big campaign ahead of him. Got some big races to try and win. He's a you know he's a, a top slipper prospect for us. You know, as you said, he's an important staying prospect, and he he looks the, the right profile. So after the Magic Millions two-year-old and Storm Boy wins, and the drama started because they went around to the barrier, Stewie, mm. for the three-year-old Magic Millions over fourteen hundred meters. And Sydney Bowler, which is a John O'Shea horse, and it was second favourite, it went in the barrier, got cast in the barrier, uh, it panicked, it ended up on its back, they had to take it out, other horses were needed to be replated, there, there was all sorts of problems. Now, we're not 100% sure how Sydney Bowler is, but he cut himself and everything, and John O'Shea thought he was okay, but he got taken away to with by the equine vets, and he was taken away in the, in the, the vet ambulance, and he's being treated and everything. But the barriers were broken. They had to bring the horses all the way back to the stables. Yeah, I know. There was a, supposed to be an 80-minute delay. It turned into a 90-minute delay because when they went back to the barriers, horses were losing their plates again. There was that much drama. In the end, they finally got on the track, Stewie, and it was a Queensland horse trained by Robbie Heathcote and ridden by Martin Harley. 200 metres left to run, Defiant Spirit, Royal Tribute, Sovereign Fund, abounding, closing out wider, Sovereign Fund, abounding, abounding over the top, abounding, 
a bounty wins the three-year-old guineas, beats Sovereign Fun and Flying Trapeze. Fourth at camera, Pure Paradise jumped up out of the ground. Trifling Royal Tribute, Sofrato, Sunset Dream. So there you go, a bounding one. Now, he was more modestly bred compared to Stormboy. Um, he's by rich enough, rich enough out of a mare called Transonic. And I'll just go through here and I'll try and find its sale price. I didn't look it up before the show, but it was a pretty good win. Lady Laguna was another winner on the day when the Phillies and Mares race. The 1,200 metres open, King of Sparta won that easy. Has it won three races on Magic Millions Day now? Boy, that's a big money spinner for the connections. Uh, so United won the Sub-Zero. Now at Rose Hill... Now, You'd be an octagonal lover from the 90s, wouldn't you? I'm a 90s person, so, yeah, I look, the great octagonal, his name used to come. We used to have a punters club in cricket, so. Yeah. yeah Whenever time it was racing, not many people wanted Hang to. Hang on, you had a punters club when you were playing cricket, so you were out on the field, but you were punting. Well, no, we we know what was going on. Like, <laughs> I played a shield game where we stopped for Melbourne Cup Day one day. <laughs> well, was that when Mark War famously I can't, made them? I can't remember, <laughs> but yes, I think you're right. That's but, funny. But I think it was Mark War and Daryl Hare because Daryl liked his horse racing too. So you actually stopped the game for the Melbourne. I think Cup. they they made tea. They go, oh, we'll have tea now. And then we had tea, and they put, and then Mark, of his junior being junior, got the ground bloke to put it up on the big screen. So we all had tea. Yeah. It's the silly part is we were on top on the game, and, yeah. the, and the break actually did us a disservice because we lost our momentum, but. We got to see the horse race at least. Oh well, well, too, too bad about the cricket. Blokes were out there trying to get a start for Australia, and you blokes were stopping to watch the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> anyway, the reason I'm talking about Octagonal was that the great horse he was. He naturally had the track record at Rose Hill over two thousand meters. Little did we know that on a nondescript Saturday, when all the focus was on Queensland, Annabelle Neesham would train a horse called Naval College in the listed January Cup and would knock off the track record of Octagonal. Naval College, the favourite, laying it down to Riazan now. And quickly, Naval College taken to the front by a half-length on Riazan. They're well clear from the rest, but Naval College is ripping away with the January Cup, going back-to-back -back in the hands of Jet Stanley. And Naval College wins it by a good space from a brave Riazan. And Lord Ardmore making up many, many lengths to finish third. A gap back to Luntzi's every half. Then came Torrens Baby. So there you go. The, the track record of it, 159.11, which is. So, so I suppose even time in racing is, is 12 seconds per furlong. So mm. it's run faster than 12 seconds a furlong. If you've got a horse that wins a maiden in 111 something over 1200 metres, you go, oh, that's a good one. It's run faster than that for 2000. So, so tell me, what does that mean for the horse? What do they do now? They look at him and go, oh, hang on. What we're going to look after? Oh, I'm not. Does, too, it, does I, it actually give you? Is it a good indicator that this horse is going to be something down well, the track? Well, well, I think he's been a good horse, and then all of a sudden, over these past two starts, he's just gone bang, bang. And I think Annabelle Neesham now would be sitting back, going, "Okay, what do I do now?" The thing is, when you're winning good races at this time of year, it's difficult because if you want to spell them and get them up for the autumn, it's Quick. a short spell. You know, that's what always been a, a thing about winning the Magic Millions and then winning a Golden Slipper. Because it's not far. Short, it's not far, but it's too far for a horse that's fully fit yeah, and loaded right, okay. now. Right, yeah. You know, you need to ease it back and bring it up. Annabelle Neeson will find a, a race for it. If I was Annabelle... I'd take the easy road and I would spell the horse and I'd bring it back and have a serious crack at the group races in uh, Queensland over the winter. That's what I'd do. Okay. okay. All right. But uh, do, you, do you know the chances of Annabelle listening to me? 
Yeah, pretty about as much Zero. chance. Zero. As, as me, about as much chance listening to me. Hey, Craig's on the line. How are you, Craig? Yes, good morning, Neil and Stuart. Um, Stuart, you're 100% correct about Matthew Renshaw. He's next in line. The 136 not out. He scored for the PM's 11 was absolutely critical. And the three of them knew going to that game, whoever formed the best would be the next cab off the rank. And, uh, and also, I, I think there is a succession plan in, in, in place and uh, left and right-hand combinations. So I say, you know, make sure bowlers change the line. So I think Matthew Renshaw is... Uh, is in prime position to take Uzi's place, possibly after the, after the Indian series next summer. Yeah, Craig, I don't think you're too far wrong. I think they're thinking about that because you don't want you don't want to go into an Ashes with two untested. You want someone, you want an older bloke and a younger bloke. I know that's in Australia where we've had you know pretty much dominant success for a long period of time now. But um, I think you're right. I think Renshaw they see him for all the all the reasons you just mentioned. Then, um, and I think he's also done his time. He's gone back to Shield cricket and developed and got better. So, you know. Good luck to him. I hope, I hope they pick him. I quite like Renshaw. I think he's uh, he's got a lot of upside in him. Yeah, and don't forget that 184 not out, out of the three. I say he's the one with the, the, the big 100, and uh, I think that's what uh, got him over the line. Yeah, Good on well, you, Craig. That 184 that. not out. Poor old Renshaw scored that 184, that massive innings. Mm. It, it, unfortunately, it was in the same test when Dave Warner scored 100 in a session. Yeah, in the first <laughs> session. just missed it. <laughs> so everyone just talks about, what about when Warner, well, what about his batting partner? He scored 184. Uh, hey, hey, mate, before we take a break. So we had the justified cult, Storm Boy wins the big one, and you know, and you and I talk at yeah. top end of town, and you go, how do I get another one? Well, a bounding that won the three-year-old race has had 11 starts now for $2.1 million. And it was a $75,000 purchase two years ago out of book two at the Magic Million sale. This is what I need. I need one of those. We need to find the $75,000 horse in book two that wins us $2 million. I'll take book three. If it's (laughs) $50,000 gets us a million bucks, I'll take one of those two. Mate, if we ever find a champion in book three at the Magic Million, we're geniuses. Richie Cutler, the next. It's 10 to 8, 10 to 7 in Queensland. Talking all the overnight action. Is he away with the Premiership? Can she hang on? Yes, she has. The dream comes true. The Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. We're trying to find Richard Callender, but he must be on the Gold Coast. He might have gone to the casino after the... <laughs> you reckon he's still there? He's just, he's just, just wandering out, you think? Oh. He's just, he goes, look, i just got to get that money back. Right, I'm just, just going to have one more crack me, at the... Just uh, one more go. I know it's it's definitely... The... <laughs> One more crack at blackjack. We've got a thousand SMSs here from people. Oh four one nine seven six seven two seven two. Shane Shane said Shane, it's a task. Shane said it's a task. for five thousand. I'd love to get a share place if we can get the next uh, winks. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No worries, Shane. Yeah, no, one. No, no one else wants that yeah, either. Yeah. It's in book three. I've heard. I'm looking. I'm looking <laughs> book, in book three at the magic um, minutes. The situation. What happens is book one. You know all the. Everyone wants to be in book one. And How many books are there, by the way? There's three books. Forget book three. It's just sort of a bit of a throwaway. But horses that don't make the main sale get put into the, the, the secondary sale. So inspections happen today and they sell those horses over the next two days. You can get really good deals in book two and get decent horses. Look at that horse. It's one of the three-year-old. That's came out of book two. I'm looking- I, I, look, I was, I was in a horse out of book two once, and she won a several races. She was a modest horse, but she, she, she did well for us, and no dramas. Anyway, Shane just wants to throw 5000 in for a big share of the next wings. He's kidding. Hey, mate, what's fi- what, have, what's, what have you done to Finney from the bay? Yeah, Finney, I bagged the dragons. What is, what is he you're an average sports person and an average media participant, and you're attacking the dragons. Half the listeners turned off. 
I bet you Finney from the base still listening. I, uh, I think he's I, still be listening. Hey Finney, not my fault. They're not very good, champ. And yeah, the Illawarra boys only got the Illawarra half only got the socks. That's not my fault. I didn't do the deal. Listen, that is what rugby league's all about. It, it, so you're entitled to be. By the way, you were a very good sportsman, Stewie Clark, a great bowler for Australia. the The situation is there is no dragons if there is no sharks. And there is no hundred percent right eagles, and there is no. You know what I mean? That is that is why crowds turn up. You know, Cronulla fans don't like the dragons. Dragons fans don't like Cronulla. You know, Broncos fans hate everybody. Yeah. Canterbury fans don't like Parramatta because they had a good team in the eighties. Hundred percent. That's what that, it's about. That's what the game was built on. Built on. But we all catch the same train home. Absolutely. You know, and you wear yeah, your jersey and I wear mine, and mate, we all talk about it and we all laugh. And at the end of the day, no one gives two hoots. Other than and it's good we fun. love our teams, mate. That's what it's about. That's, and, go and, to I tell you what. Go to Melbourne. Talk about AFL, mate. You're born. Oh you, know, you know when you're born, you get give your parents give you, a, and if your parents support two different teams. They actually fight about what team you will support. You will support when least you grow in, up. At least in Sydney, you, you, you sort of get a choice. You know, oh, look, you grow up and, oh, you know, dad follows Cronulla. And, but that's know. what it's about. Stewie, I just, you know, I love all sport. I, I'll watch the summer of cricket. I'm at the Craig, A-League last yeah. night. I'll, I want to know what's happening in the Sony Open in Hawaii. Yeah. I went to bed last night after I got home from the soccer and watched Rory McIlroy play his last two rounds. But I love rugby league. 100%. And I love the NRL, and I love the fact that you hate the Dragons. I hate the, mate, it makes me laugh. <laughs> you know what? I, I still think, and I say this openly till today, having worked at New South Wales Rugby League, yep. right, the most parochial crowd I have ever seen. I'd never experienced an Origin game before. Right? So, in you know, Queensland. In, and I went up to Queensland. One, for the, it was the game that... It was a game that Cameron Smith said, I don't think I've run enough and I think I'm going to run more this game. And I'm, because someone had said basically negative, he's too old and he's past yeah. it. So he said, right, it, I'm going to run more. And he just destroyed New South was Wales. It, it was 50 something. Yeah, it was 50. Many. I've never seen more parochial fans. And we were sitting, I was sitting in a suite with all and the directors. And you were chief operating that, officer yeah, for the New sweet. South Wales Rebel And there were people on the side <laughs> of the, uh, there were people on the side of the glass just. Just banging just it. Ba- and it, it was almost, it was that uh, intimidating. It, it, it rivaled, I was went to a Bulls game, a Blue Bulls game in South Africa once. So they were playing the Waratahs. Oh, okay. Uh, in, in, the, in, a, in the Super Rugby back in the day. Super Rugby back in the day. And yeah. we went and watched the, and into this big cauldron. Were you touring or something? We were touring. I can't remember what we were there. So we went in and we were sitting in this stadium. There was three or four of us sitting there. And they were toweling up New South Wales by the Waratahs by a billion. Yeah. And at one stage we were like, and they were just all coming because they knew we were the four Australians plus the Waratahs. So you you're they knew you were Australian cricket. I think I was with Andrew Simon, so we were pretty. Oh, uh, okay. they, people knew who we. Yeah, who, you didn't go inconspicuous. No, no, no. So and, and yeah, we're sitting in the front row, right oh. behind the players. So everyone knows who you are. Nightmare. Right? And the coppers with twenty minutes to go said, "We're gone." And the we coppers like, got you out. We got us out of there, but they didn't want to leave us in there. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty minutes, they like they got us out. Right, we were like, "You sure?" He went, "Yep." And we got police escort right in. Wow. They said, "We're not waiting to the end, boys. Let's go." That's unreal. So we were like, "But I was that intimidated by this crowd. That's it was that scary." That, the yeah. whole origin thing in Queensland. Oh God, I don't even need to go through the history. It's just, it's born from an. I'm from there. And, and and there's a lot of Queensland people listening today. I'm one of you, and, and I get it, and I get where it all came from. It was just born from 
this gut-wrenching disappointment of our forebearers, yeah, like my parents, that Artie played for New South Wales and that Johnny Lang played for New South Wales and all of these things, and they came up and beat us, right? Yeah. And they couldn't stand it. Yeah, and then Origin comes around and Queensland suddenly wins. It, it's just like, it, stuff them. See, the, and the thing is in Queensland, in North Queensland, they hate Brisbane. Yeah, I know. And in Queensland, they hate New South. It all flows south. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> you know, I, I've never been. So I, someone said, go for a walk down the street on the day of origin. Oh. And there's just dudes in jerseys. Yeah. yeah. You just sort of, I was just in a short, or like T-shirt, yeah. just walking around looking at it all. Mate, there were people in their maroon jersey at 10 o'clock in the morning in the bars eating, and the pubs. Mate, eating bre- mate they're, there, they're there at 7 in the morning eating breakfast. Getting ready for the night. Like, And I was like, wow. And yeah, you, when the game's at Sydney Olympic Park or whatever it is, you walk through and, yeah, okay, I knew the game. Mate, parochial. And you know what? you got to sit back and you go. It is what it is. That's how you support your team. And And they they are devastated when they lose the next day. Origin doesn't work without without Queensland winning a lot. I know. It's got to be. And and also New South Wales needs to do its share too, and it needs to be highly competitive. But if New South Wales won every year, it would have been dead already. Hey, we've got to get to the scratchings. And uh, Tanya's still away. So he's coming off the bench. (laughs) I wouldn't call him 18th man. I'd, I'd call him 14th man. Nick, take it away. Thanks, Neil. And we've got two New South Wales meetings today. First to Coffs Harbour, where the rail is in the true. It's a good four, fine conditions, and we have 25 scratchings for the meeting. In race one, seven, La Dimazuel, seven from one. Race two, one, He's Enough, seven, Sonoda, nine, Bomberby Beach, and 12, Yafana. One, seven, nine, 12, race two. Race three, six dance off, eight strawberry lady, ten cats quarters, emergencies eighteen one on one, nineteen lots of fiddies, and twenty Denman blue, six, eight, ten, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, race three. In race four, four prefer to be ready, eleven Gael, twelve D's delight. 4, 11, 12, race 4. In race 5, 12, Buffoni, 12 from 5. In race 6, 2, Outback Action, 5, Zakina, 7, Commander Bell, 2, 5, 7, race 6. And in race 7, 6, Sacred Girl, 14, Wanna Win Win, Emergencies, 16, I'm Timmy Zoo, 17, Wavalawa, 18, Cowgirl Lily, and 19, Lady MacLilly, and a late scratching, the 20, Jacket. So 6, 14, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20 from race 7 at Coffs Harbour. Turning our attention to Nowra, where the rails are in the true. It's a good four overcast conditions, and we have 13 scratchings for the meeting. In race 5, 1, Jack of Aces, 6, Capsize, 7, Mythical Moochie, 9, Santos El Halper, and 10, Lone Star Dream. 1, 6, 7, 9, 10, race 5. Race 6, 8, Pretty Sassy, 8 from 6. And in race 7, 3, Peaceful Prince, 4, Sasha Bella, 5, All Too Lucky, 
6, Abiodora, 10, Martindale Dancer, and Emergencies, 13, Rebenech, and 14, Rose to Win, 3, 4, 5, 6, 10, 13, 14 from race 7 at Nowra. A little bit of magic. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Hey, Stewie, we were talking during the news. Neil Breen in the chair here with Stuart Clark on Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Ray will be back in two weeks. So, Ray Thomas, the big return. There'll be much fanfare. But, mate, we were talking in the news about in rugby league, you're the former chief operating officer of the New South Wales Rugby League. The junior competitions are already... Yeah, they all, go through so the summer. SG Ball, Harold Matthews, um, going as we speak. Well, I think they're getting towards the end, and I think Zorba will be able to. He'll be able to update us. But Penrith on top in um, the great juniors, the Matthews, Penrith running second in the ball. Um, it's just a just a breeding ground of rugby league players coming through, and that's why when they lose Luai. They find the, someone they else. They go, all right, well, you know, we, we'll get the new young bloke coming through. And the new young bloke is coming out of a system. Yeah, I think in the Jersey flag, I'll just check here, they're running fourth, which is the 21. So it's 17s, 19s, 21s. Uh, that's why they're such a powerhouse of a club. Absolute powerhouse. Well, I tell you who want to be a powerhouse are the West Tigers. They had that big rebuild in the offseason. I'll be absolutely fascinated to see what Peter Zorba Peters thinks about what happened at the West Tigers in the offseason, but he's got a bit to talk about. He's on the line. I've been looking forward to talking to him again. I've missed him over the last four weeks. How are you, Zorba? Morning, Bernie. Morning, Stewie. Um, I've warmed up for both of you two today uh, <laughs> by listening to you both. A few times when in the car this week with the radio on. <laughs> Brini, you've got issues, mate, particularly with the age number 72, and you have revealed being scared of applying CPR to a female in a shopping centre. What are you doing, mate? <laughs> well, that was a topic that came up during the week. It was a story in the Herald, the Sydney Morning Herald, and I've been hosting Drive on 2GB over summer, as Zorba's just alluded to. And this story came up in the research that people were scared. Like, people were more willing to give CPR to men when they collapsed than women because they were afraid because of the breast issue. And I thought to myself, well, I don't know if I'd want to rip the blouse off a woman in a shopping centre, I'd probably just go above the blouse. Anyway, I don't know why we've gone down this rabbit hole, Zorba. We might never get out so of it. So what's the name of the show again? <laughs> Big Sports <laughs> Breakfast Weekend Social Issues. <laughs> hey, Zorba, are you, going to, are you going to Vegas? Come on, tell me. Are you are you on the bandwagon or what? Oh, look, I'm tossing up. I'm, uh, I'm tossing up whether to go. and It's just a hit and run, isn't it, really? Yeah, correct. Uh, probably not. Stewie, welcome back to Commercial Radio. I've been listening to you on the ABC, West Indies this week. Let's hope that they can revive um, those great memories of those wonderful teams from the 70s and the 80s. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, we can always hope. We can always 47 hope. Days, 47 days to Vegas. Gentlemen, I, I can't wait for this. South versus Manly, Roosters versus Brisbane in Vegas. It's a journey to the great unknown for Rugby League, a huge group of supporters from the four clubs are booked for tours and will make the trip, as will a number of uh, people uh, on the VIP jet from the NRL. 
the cost of this is astronomical. What effect the hit and run game in Vegas will have on the all important early start of the season remains a mystery. Now, trials. Will players go full bore in trials, knowing that they may get injured and miss a trip to be part of history in Vegas? How will the NFL fans in the US take to rugby league? I'm an avid 50-year fan of the NFL. The final kickoff this morning in about 20 minutes in the playoffs. And the two league games will showcase after the 2024 Super Bowl. And some close bonds are being formed between NRL clubs and NFL clubs in recent months. And I believe our coaches can help introduce some revolutionary changes to the attacking and defensive changes to the NFL. I mean, the game is made for some NRL moves, particularly you can throw the ball in any direction. And mm. and I just think that an NRL coach um, with the experience of, of, of the likes of Craig Bellamy, for instance, or uh, uh, or Robbo from the uh, from the Roosters, can give so much to their game. Um, I think once they see the fullbacks in action um, in this round over there, um, I mean, what are four brilliant players to go on show there in James Tedesco, Reese Walsh, Tommy Turbo and Latrell Mitchell, all in the number one journeys, jerseys. I think they'll they'll set it alight. It's just going to be unbelievable and um, it'll be a, a wonderful start to the season. But what effects it will have um, on those four clubs for the rest of the season remains to be seen. Absolutely, it does. Hey, uh, you mentioned Tommy Turbo, obviously the uh, pectoral issue. He's right to go, isn't he? I know he would have had a full off-season because he's had so much time to recover, but are they going to risk him in Vegas? I I think he wants to play. Um, um, The couple of times that I've seen him in the off-season, he looks bigger, stronger, and and I think there's been a a real change in his preparation. Um, he wants to go, and uh, yeah, if enough. Tommy wants to go, well, he'll go. Absolutely. Mate, when you got him as a calibre of player, mate, if he wants to play, you ain't leaving him at home. No, I, exactly right. Uh, look, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be very interesting, particularly those fullback clashes over there. Uh, just a, a few of the mouse-watering clashes that will take place. But, gee, the fans are really excited about going to Vegas and making it a... Uh, uh, a real holiday blast off to the season. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating, Zorba, the whole Vegas thing. Like, obviously, you know, I'm uh, strongly aligned with Nine and been doing stuff at Nine Radio as well. It's a big call for the broadcasters. It, it adds a lot of expense because they've got to take big staffs over there and all sorts of things. And for the clubs too, I, I think, you know, you just mentioned the effect it's going to have on them for the season. It's a big trip. To go overseas, play, come back, long flight back, you know, in the normal preparation of things. I know they'll have a break when they get back. But, you know, if some soft tissue injuries or things like that, I think it's a, it's fascinating, Vegas. Fascinating. It, it sure is, and, and we don't know what's going to happen. We can only speculate. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going for it to be a success. I, I, along with Greg Hartley, called the game in 1987 at Long Beach, California. Um, <laughs> New South Wales and Queensland, and they didn't know what the heck was going on there. Oh. Uh, but um, Wally Lewis and Peter Sterling were playing way back then, so it was a long time ago since we put our toe in the water, and it's been a long time since we're uh, 
we're going to have another crack. I think Stello's still stuck in that banner, isn't he? He can't get through the... Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. <What laughs> That's some, some of the greatest footage of all time um, with that game. Um, I, I just look at it, and I, I agree with Brini when I go... You just don't know the physical effects that will happen upon no. the players. That's the bit I'm probably can. The players want to play. It'll be a great spectacle. It'll be a winner. I don't think there's any question about that whatsoever. What physical effect does it have? Because you see with the World Club Challenge how how teams can come back and be a bit tired for the start of the season. Absolutely, and it's a tough gig to um, to go overseas and play, um, which is why the Kangaroos in, in when they had Kangaroo tours always had four or five warm-up games before the first test mm. against club sides, albeit not strong in a lot of cases, but at least it got them ready uh, to play a long tour. Just to go over there, one-offs, unbelievable. Hey, uh, Zorba, we'll move on to other topics. You've got a topic here about the Roosters and stealing a final spot off the Knights. What's happening here? Well, it won't take long in the 2024 NRL Premiership for Newcastle Knights to... Miss their match-winning winger Dominic Young. Oh yeah. I I estimate Young's speed, size, and ability actually won at least five games for the Knights last season. On on the back of him, he scored tries when they needed them, late in games from high jumps or runaway tries, and they finished a credible fifth on thirty-five points. Now, take those ten points out, and they're way down. Yeah, Young right. will be badly missed. He's irreplaceable, really. Uh, he scored 43 tries in 51 games in Newcastle. Remember, he was unknown when he arrived. Yep. 25 tries from 25 games last year. Um, he's joining the likes of Tedescu, Tupo, Manu, Suwalali at the Roosters. It gives the Bondi boys some real headaches for opposition teams. What a back line. And uh, I noticed during the week a story about the height uh, of the Bondi skyscrapers in their back line. And it's true. Um, they are going to be head and shoulders above everyone else in, in, in chasing high kicks, uh, in, in just being available. And they've got, they've got size and speed right throughout. I think, we'll see the, I think we'll see the Roosters bounce back a bit in um, 2024. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, he'll make a massive difference. He's a, he's he, a, he's a super player. Super but, player. But, but you know what? Zorba just saying that just makes you excited about the league season. You yeah. go, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see him. But, I can't wait to see whether the Roosters can get over whatever the funk was I, I gotta, in 2023. I gotta, I, let, let's be brutally honest. I, look, I love my cricket, obviously. Yeah. When you said 47 days, I started to go, that's uh, six <laughs> weeks. Right, I'm not far away from watching a bit of footy again. It's exciting. It's around the corner. Now, the West Tigers, much said, much done, much talked about. Is it going to make any difference on the field? Stewie, I'm not sure. Look, the veteran, veteran interim CEO has come in all guns blazing, reminding all and sundry he's back for a last crack in the NRL. Now, Shane Richardson will ensure the West Tigers remain in the headlines, but they, they have a habit of doing that anyway, just by how they perform. Will they improve in 2024? There's only one way to go, and that's up. Uh, the signing of the tough storm, storm centre, Justin Olam, this week gives them some real grunt in the back line, and he should be a hit in more ways than one for Tiger fans. But I've got a question mark about Olam. The Melbourne Storm don't let players go <laughs> willy-nilly. He just signed a three-year deal last year. Why are they letting him go early? Yeah, what well, happened there? 
Something happened. He didn't play towards the end of the last no, year. Something no, something happened. They dropped him. They dropped him, and I understand it was for disciplinary reasons. They kept it in-house, as they can do, because they're away from a lot of the media in mm, Melbourne. Correct. Um, and they've done a, a swap with Sean Bloor, who's a good young player, 26 years of age. He's done a three-year deal to go the other way and go to Melbourne. But I, there's a real question mark over what happened in Melbourne with Justin Olam. And I'm surprised that none of the journos have got to the bottom of it. Um, it's been swept under the carpet. Maybe it was nothing. But I got more than a feeling that it was something and that there was some disciplinary action taken as to why. Because he's been their best centre for a couple of years now. He's a devastating player when in form and when in the mood. And he will be a big hit for the Tigers if Benji Marshall can um, can get him to... Um, to play in the style that he did play under Bellamy in Melbourne. Um, Benji, I maintain that he was part of the wooden spoon last year. I reckon he was coaching the side. But um, it's it's been shared between him and uh, Tim Sheens. Uh, so we'll see how he goes. I think he's got a very good experienced assistant now in John Morris. I'm not convinced the Tigers, though, can offload the spoon. I mean, they... They've bought the Fainu brothers from Manly, uh, Latu and Samuela. Um, they've got Jaden Sullivan from the Dragons. They've got the veteran Aiden Caesar and Justin Olam. Throw them in with what they've got, and I think they've got the team battling it out with the Dragons for the spoon. Hey, Zorba, so since we were last on air, all of those things went down. The board went down. The CEO, Justin Pascoe, went down. The whole new thing came in. One of the final pieces of the puzzle was the whole Scott Fulton imbroglio. The previous power brokers brought him in, didn't tell Sheens, didn't tell Benji. It seemed as though no one was getting on at odds over recruitment of Caesar and different players. And then the fate accompli was that Fulton would go, and he went this week. It's a mystery, the whole thing. But I suppose now Benji has nowhere to hide. Benji's got his way. He's got his people around him. He is the coach of the team. There's no Sheens. There's no Fulton. There's no one else. It's just him. And all the heat's going to be on him. And he'd want to be ready for it, Zorba. Well, he's got the key keys to the um, to the mansion. And um, I'm like you. Jury's out. Um, jury's out all around for me um, with... I mean, Shane Richardson's been around a long, long time. And as, uh, as Rich, I'll tell you, he's been CEO of two premiership-winning clubs. Um, last time I looked, I didn't see any CEOs actually on the field, but <laughs> he may have been. Um, he'll probably tell you that he was. Um, but We spoke about him. <laughs> I, think, I think this is a... Uh, this is a... Like, he's in the room for six months. I think this is looking at an extension to three years for, for Richo. He'd love that um, and just get a little bit more juice out of the uh, out of the lemon. Um, don't know how it's going to go. Um, a lot of talk's gone on. Um, let's see some action. And as you said, there's nowhere to hide for, uh, uh, for Benji. Just on the 2024 season, I, I'm predicting the Bulldogs. I reckon they've built up. Um, as good as any club, with some real footballers. Now, Bronson Cherry is a question mark, but if he comes off after serving his time out of the game, that could be huge. Crichton, 
We know he's a premiership-winning player and a, and a wonderful player. I like the likes of Connor Tracy, who's a good utility player. Blake Tapp, another good utility player of first-grade standard, can play fullback, center, 5'8", halfback. Um, Jamin Salmon, who's been at Penrith in their system and, and been in their, uh, in their run-on sides plenty of times. Curran from, uh, uh, from the Warriors is a, is a very good player. Josh Curran, back rower. Hutchinson from the Roosters. He's been in the Roosters system. Another player that can play a variety of positions from hooker to 5'8", to halfback, to centre. Uh, Kurt Mann, another player that can play um, a lot of positions. Um, I just think they've bought well. I think Cameron Serraldo has got some players that, that will fit in to the Bulldog system. You are talking earlier about um, junior reps. They're doing very well in the junior reps again, as well they should because they've got a good, they've got a good area to choose from. Nothing like that massive uh, nursery up in, um, in Penrith. And we, we, we talk about why Penrith are good. And Stewie, you hit on it. Um, they've just got so many juniors and so many players to pick from. But let's not forget, they're now third and fourth generation Pacifica players that have, that have come here with their, um, their parents have come here or their grandparents years and years ago. Um, they've been on great diets and food and living the life in Western Sydney and they're much better um, now than they were back then. And, and this is just going to get stronger in the biggest junior nursery anywhere in the world in rugby league. Yeah, for sure and certain. You hit the nail on the head about those Pacifica players. The fact that they're getting a couple of generations deep, they're only going to get better and there's only going to be more and more. Hey, Zorba, we can't wait to hear you every Sunday here on Big Sports Breakfast Weekend over what will be a fascinating rugby league season. Even though it's the off-season, I know that by the time we get to next Sunday, there'll be more to talk about. There'll be a controversy. Always is. There'll be a drama. And boys, just a scoop for you. Yeah. Um, I think... I think um, the last player in the Aussie team uh, is going to be uh, Lucas. Lucas, uh, what's his second name? Lucas. Um, he will be in which the, team? Which team? The for the Aussie team with um, with um, with of course the great Australian players playing in live golf in Cameron Smith heading. Oh, uh, Lucas Herbert. Lucas Herbert. Lucas Herbert. Will be the fourth player in the Aussie team. There you right. go. Okay, Lucas, right, Lucas Herbert. Herbert. So he thinks he's going to go to live. Okay. okay. Oh God, if we open that Pandora's box and start talking about how live. long does this show go for? Oh, <laughs> mate. It, it, it goes nonstop radio till next Sunday talking about golf. Hey, good on you, Sorba. Talk to you next week. Okay, boys. And he just raised live golf. There, it, golf is just in turmoil. I don't care what anyone says that. It's at sixes and sevens. Everyone's got a different opinion. Rory's waxing and waning he's, now. He's jumping ship there. The, isn't he? Well, the establishment. Oh, let's bring in a world tour. Where does it leave the PGA tour? Live golf is kind of a party. The thing about live golf, you talk about the Panthers. Mm. See, and live golf goes. Oh, we're just part of. We're just part of golf. Well, you're doing nothing to develop golf. No, you're they're just do- pinching the cream. They're just taking the top shelf. Yeah, and it, but I think if if I look at it, it's a bit like the Super League. Rugby League War. They're, yeah. they're trying to the PGA Tour of Monopoly, right? They were they were the, everyone wanted to go yeah. on the PGA Tour. Then then they had the DP World Tour over there in Europe. 
but there was nothing in Australia or Asia. So now they've they've basically said, well, we'll take all the events there. Yeah, and obviously they're throwing ch- large chunks of money at you know. So it's upset the Apple Card. Yeah, they're trying to break the stronghold of the PGA, oh, and they've done that. Yeah, but I agree with you. I what just happens can't when it comes together. It's got to come together because if you watch the PGA Tour, right? And I like my golf. Yeah, I want to see. Brooks Kepter, I want to see Dustin Johnson. Yeah. I want to see John Rahm. I want to see them playing against Rory and all the blokes on the PGA Tour. Problem is you can't, other than the ones that qualify for the majors. That's what makes the majors so exciting now, because you get all of all them... All of them coming all... back together. I know. But, but some s- of them will lose their status, right, after a few years if it oh, keeps yeah. going. Well, well, and then you Cam, won't see them. Cam Smith's world rankings now but he, he, way I think out he, the door. I think he gets his exemption because of the British Open. So Yeah, for five years into majors he does. Right out, we'll take a break. Back with more. We've got stacks coming up. Barry Bowditch from the Magic Millions after this. It was a big sale on the Gold Coast. Jared Daffy will be along. Mossy with the football news and the league super quiz. Talking all the overnight action. Incredible anticipation. The Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Yes, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Neil Breen and Stewie Clark in the chair. Ray and Bulldog will be back in two weeks' time. And on the Gold Coast, the Magic Me and Sales, I took you through some stats Mm. before, Stewie. And top price, $2.1 million. Tiaka Racing from New Zealand. They have those famous orange and bluey colours. They bought a filly by Wooden Bassett, which is a shuttle stallion, out of Advantage, $2.1 million. There were more than 800 sold lots, passed-in lots were there as well, but a lot of them get sold before they leave the property. Average price, 279256 The gross for the sale was $223 million. So book one is complete. That finished last night after Magic Millions race day. Inspection day today for book two, and then book two sells Monday and Tuesday. If you're confused about it, look, the sales reps go out. They go to all the studs. All, all of the stud farms want their horses in the Magic Millions sale, and then they put these ones in book one, and they think, well, ones that aren't there for group book one, they put them in book two. But we know that Abounding won the three-year-old Magic Millions race yesterday, a $75,000 sale by Rich Enough out of Transonic, and it won the three-year-old race out of book two, and it's won over $2 million. So you can get a good deal in book two. And, Stewie, you think you're a book three I'm, specialist. I'm booked, I'm, I can only afford book you three. You can only afford <laughs> book three. <laughs> I'm not a specialist. It's all I can afford. Well, Barry Bowditch has been a fixture at the Magic Million Sales for years and years, and anyone who's watched any of the broadcasts will see him there. He's on the line. How are you, Barry? Good morning, guys. Hey, Barry. I've been to many Magic Million Sales this year. I had the misfortune of only being able to watch on TV. I know every year we go, oh, it's bigger and better. It looked massive, Barry, the crowds. Yeah, it was huge out there. Like Thursday, Friday at the sales, like you couldn't get a, you couldn't get a spot. It was, it was, there was a lot of people out there. Um, it was busy. It had a great atmosphere. And I think, you know, that reflected in the market. Sure did. And the sales results yeah. overall, that average of 279,000, where does that fit in history? Yeah, I think you know the, the previous two years have been quite extraordinary. They're fractionally above this. Um, the gross is down just over two percent. I think the average is off five percent on last year. Clearance rate's still very acceptable at eighty six percent. So I think uh, you know we'll look back at this sale as the year goes on as a great horse sale. Um, and you know, given you know the economy out there, it's not as easy as what it was twelve and two years ago. We're um, we're delighted to be able to achieve these results. I was going to ask you that question. That that's the the reason behind the two percent drop is just yeah you know, economy, financial constraints. Um, obviously, coming out of a post COVID era. 
Absolutely, I think so. Like at the top end, it was very strong. Like we sold more million dollar horses than we've ever sold. We sold some twenty three. Where last year was twenty, and the year before was eighteen. But so you know. At the top end of town, there's plenty of money there and a lot of confidence. But you sort of get down there under sort of mm. 200,000. And we're still selling most of them, but it's just, it's it's a little bit tighter out there. You know, we're probably passing in a few more in the ring, getting them done after. And we'll continue to do that. But it just shows you that, uh, you know, it's 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 still very good considering what's going on out there. But um, it's sure. not as easy as what it's been. We've been spoiled. We haven't had a, we haven't had a down here for about 10 or 12 years. So... Um, to be off two and a half percent, and it's still way better than pre-COVID numbers. So I'm yeah. delighted. Yeah. Hey, does it surprise you, having been around it for a long period of time, how much this whole event is growing? Forget about the races and the stuff, but just the the event. If you if you accumulate it and put it together, oh, it's a beast, isn't it? Like it's it's um, it's fantastic. What Jerry and in particular Katie Page Harvey have done with this event, you know, in with our team is something quite extraordinary. You know, you sort of turn up here just after January and the horses are arriving and there's there's a great buzz basically from the start of the new year. And by the time we got to that the wave race day and the, the polo and show jumping, the Gold Coast was heaving. There was there was people everywhere. We had a record crowd at the polo and show jumping. We had a huge crowd at the barrier draw. I think they, I haven't got the exact numbers for yesterday, but it was 25,000 at the races yesterday, which is a massive crowd for the turf club. That's and, big for the Gold Coast because it's because it's not a massive racetrack. No, no, not at all. It's it's a small racetrack, so you know I, I wouldn't have thought they could fit many more than twenty five thousand in. But like it was a, you know, and then at the sales every day, like you know, in ringside dining and things like that, we couldn't get kick the food up to them. It was it was it was unbelievable. But it was just a great buzz, and you know, trying to get a restaurant or or, or whatever else that was. You know, it was hectic, but uh, you know, I think it's now. It's not just a horse sale. It's not just a race day. It's an event. It's a festival where, where, whether you're a horse buyer, or a horse seller, or a owner, or a racing participant, a punter, or just someone that wants a good time. I think, yeah, you know, they're bringing their families and enjoying everything that you know the Magic Means Carnival has to offer. Hey, hey, Barry. Before I let you go, you got the ultimate result yesterday. You had a blue blood win it by Justify out of Pelican, this unbelievable shuttle stallion from the United States, the champion Justify. And so that's, you know, $460,000 yearling, golden slipper favourite, horse could be worth $50, 60000000 Then you had a bounding win the three-year-old race by Rich Enough out of Transonic, a $75,000 book two buy. It's spread right across the spectrum to show the success you could have. Exactly, it just shows you a chance at all levels. You know, yep. it doesn't matter whether you're spending the big money or the small money. I think we had two book two winners yesterday. Um, you know, there was Lady Laguna was a wild card winner, and then you know the other seven or eight four were from book one. But it shows you don't have to spend big money to buy a good horse, and that's what I'm thinking over the next two days. You know, we'll have a sale that by yeah. average two hundred eighty thousand, like we have the last five days. We'll have a sale that will average. Fifty thousand dollars or something like that. So, um, right, yeah, you know, just you know, whether you got whether you got five or ten thousand or a little bit more, there'll be an opportunity to buy a horse that we believe we've selected for the sale. It's worthwhile going to the racetrack, and it could be your next abounding. Good on you, Barry. Hey, thanks for your time this morning after a, a big few days. Try and get some rest, the Savo, before you let fly the next two days. Good on you guys. Thank you, Barry Bowditz from the Magic Millions. There, there you go. Um, nice and honesty was too. Post COVID, people lost their minds. Like no, absolutely. Buying horses and, and properties and stuff. Houses, cars. You couldn't get a car. You wouldn't go buy a car. It was like a six-month wait. 
What, what, everyone lost their mind. Hey, we've got to keep moving with the show. We'll take a break. Plenty more to come at this half hour. We'll be jamming it all in. Talking all the overnight action. Another one for Gay Waterhouse. He kicked it. So go all the way. The Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. League Super Quiz time. 13.53.53. Phone now. 13.53.53. If you want to be involved in the League Super Quiz. Stewie hasn't done one for a while. He's nervous. I reckon I'm going to knock him off today. I think you are now. I'm very, I'll tell you what I'm nervous about. I haven't done one of these for a while either. No, yeah, no, 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 I've done a live read for about 10 years. I'm okay, just thinking. Take it away. Oh, deliciously flaky pastry on top of bottom, which is rolled extra thin and a filling of 100% lean Aussie beef. Yes, I'm talking about Garlo's pies, the only pies you should be putting in on your plate. Garlo's pies are simply bursting with flavour, and there's heaps of flavours to choose from. Here's a thought. For you tonight, Brendan, I'm going to give you a tip. Take the night off from cooking and grab a Garlo's pie for the whole crew. They're available at all Coles and Woolies stores. And remember, they're located in the chilled meals section. If you can't find us, ask Garlo's pies by name. Garlo's pies, you know what they are? They're thin on pastry and they're big on, on meat. meat. <laughs> Talking all the overnight action. Oh, what a ball! We are going the distance. The most dramatic of victories. The Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. League Super Quiz time, Stewie. And Steve's in here. He's yep. doing the toss you call, Stewie. Heads. It's a head. I'll be player one. Okay, you're going to be player one. Player one is Adam, and I'll be player two. I'll be Jesse. So, mate, you take it away with Adam. Hello, Adam. You there? Yeah, I'm here, mate. All right, mate. Don't let me down. Okay, Bruni's been given to me all morning, so there's a lot of pressure on you. Okay, who is the current right. North Queensland Cowboys coach? Ah, uh, jeez, I don't know his name. You can see his face. Um, Todd Payton. Yes, good boy. Good boy. Good boy. Do I keep going? Do I just keep you going? You keep going, bro. Keep going? Okay. Question two. Uh, okay, question two. Which NRL team does Zach Hoskins play for in 2024? Zach Hoskins. Panthers, Raiders, Broncos. Raiders. Ooh. Very good. I'm worried. Okay, and last question. How many first grade grand finals has super coach Wayne Bennett won? Five, Six. seven, nine. Oh. Seven. <laughs> he gets it. It was multiple times. Relax, it. brother. Relax. Like, like, like most, like most people. Oh, was he coaching the the this oh, the, the Super League? You know. Anyway, it's seven. Good on you, Adam. You got three from he three. You got three from three. Jesse, you need to get three from three, or you're blown out of the water, and we don't even get to the tiebreaker. How are you, Jesse? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thanks. Who is the current Gold Coast Titans coach? Des Hasler. Correct. Oh, well, and No, the confidence he gave. I love that, Jesse. Question two, multiple choice. Which Melbourne Storm player has transferred to the West Tigers for 2024 season? Justin Olam, Cameron Munster, Sean Bloor. Justin Olam. No, oh, he's got it. Oh, oh. Pressure's on. Who is the only team to have beaten? This is multiple choice. The only team... To have beaten the Dolphins twice. The only team to have beaten the Dolphins twice. Storm, Panthers, Broncos. 
That was the Broncos. Oh, my <laughs> God. Three out of three. Now, the tiebreaker. Okay, so we're going to do player one first. Okay, so we put Jesse's sound down so he can't hear. Okay, oh, yeah. so it, it, it's a, it's a, you've got to pick a number yeah. here yeah, and the closest wins. So the first person is Adam. How Adam. are you, Adam? I'm all right, thanks. Oh. I'll ask the question, okay. Stewie. You go do the question. Okay, Adam, how many points have the Dolphins scored in the NRL? How many points have the Dolphins scored in the NRL? The answer is between 500 and 600. 568. 568. Okay, let's get Jesse back up. How are you, Jesse? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Okay, you've got to pick a number. How many points... Have the Dolphins scored in the NRL? So how many points have the Dolphins scored and it's between 500 and 600? I'll go 520. Oh, are you joking? (laughs) Now, the fix wasn't in. It's 520. 520. (laughs) Do you get a bonus price for getting the actual number? Can I just ask, this is an odd question, but if you're listening on the radio, oh, we didn't say the number, did we? We didn't say the number. No, we didn't say the number, did we? We never said the number. It was just written down on a piece it of paper. Good on you, Jesse. I've well got done. to say, Adam, Thank for you. a bloke who got three out of three, that was that was stiff. You're a bit unlucky, Adam. <laughs> Bad luck, Adam. Hey, good on you, Jesse. Jesse, you stay on the line there, mate, and uh, we'll work out the prize that's coming to you. And the league super quiz. Can I, I'm just going just gonna to yeah. run up. Just a, I'm, I'm just going to okay, pass, some, advocate, I'm just gonna yeah. pass some judgment on your quiz, Okay. If you're listening to the show on another radio, and even though he sounds turned down, you're going to know what the question is, aren't you? Yeah, I suppose you could Google it. No, no. Geez, you're a conspiracy you got a seven, yeah, how long? How long's the delay? Seven seconds? Hang on. Can you not come in? <laughs> hey, I'm just you, trying you know to... What? This you, is... you know what? I can't. I cannot stand blokes who go and work for the ABC <laughs> and then turn up at Sky Sports Radio with integrity issues. I'm not... I'm just trying to... I just didn't win and I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, take, take the loss. On the Big Sports Breakfast... Well, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Where do missing socks go? How do you throw away a garbage can? Do fish sleep? Why do donuts have holes? If you find out, can you let me know, please? Jared Daffy's Words of Wisdom. Why does quicksand work so slowly? <laughs> Should it be renamed? Please explain. Oh, Jared Daffy with his words of wisdom. What's he going to come up with in season or year 2024? How are you, Jared? Morning, boys. Well, if flying is so safe, why is the airport called the terminal? (laughs) (laughs) I ask you. (laughs) Well, well, if it's not safe, you don't make it there, but anyway... (laughs) Might I say, integrity issues and the quiz go hand in hand. It's nothing, it's nothing new. They have, mate, they've been going on for 20 years. Don't worry about that. Yeah. I... Oh, my God. I had to do this quiz on 2GB the last five weeks. What a mess that was, too. I don't think quizzes are my forte. Ray's very good at them, though. Ray, yeah. Ray's good at them. Hey, Jared, um, you got some cricket odds for us, mate? Yeah, the big bash continues. Uh, gee, we've had some exciting matches so far this season, but we are getting to the tail end. We've got one tonight. Uh, the Thunder two dollar outsiders. The Strikers a dollar eighty tomorrow night. The Stars a dollar seventy five. Uh, the Hurricanes are two ten. We've got uh, Tuesday open as well. 
the Scorchers 168, uh, the Sixers at 220. To win that big bash, well, we are down to five now. Um, the Heat 260, Scorchers 280, Sixers 450, Strikers 9, and the Stars, who are currently in fifth position there at $17. So it's uh, it's been a topsy-turvy season, but I suppose any one of those sides could win. Yeah, it certainly can. What about the NFL? There's a game going on at the moment. You've got Miami taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, I think. Yeah, uh, no score there at the moment. Stewie, the market's pretty much as it was before it started. Uh, Houston, uh, the slight outsiders there at uh, $1.90, uh, just ahead of... Uh, uh, sorry, they're not. Yeah, $1.90, $1.87 Cleveland, so that continues on. The one later in the morning, Kansas City have been a pretty big mover in the market. Now, when we put this up, Kansas City Chiefs were $1.52 against Miami. They're into $1.43 now, and Miami are out to $2.85, a line there of four and a half points. We've got uh, tomorrow's matches open as well, and obviously the Super Bowl, etc. will be updated at the completion of each day's uh, plays. NBA and NBL basketball. Yeah, a lot of uh, NBA on today. There's been a couple of decent moves here, Bruni. Uh, first of those is in the one of the 11:40 matches. Atlanta have uh, been a big drifter, 130 out to 139. Washington, 370 into 310. That line's come in a couple of points to six. Um, it's around about this time of the day when the injury news comes through. I'm not quite sure who's affected uh, from Memphis, but they were three dollars to beat New York. They're at to 520. Uh, New York Knicks a dollar eighteen from a dollar forty one. That line has moved four and a half points. It's eleven and a half. And the final match for the day, uh, Utah uh, hosting the Lakers. And the Lakers were the faves when this market went up yesterday, but right now Utah into faves at one eighty five. The Lakers at two dollars. A line there of one and a half points. And before we leave basketball, got a double header today in the NBL. Uh, Brisbane Bullets. Dollar seventy-three. That's the early game, the two o'clock match. They host Illawarra, two ten, a line of two and a half points. And Sydney Kings uh, looked like at the start of the season they would be unstoppable, but uh, a few chinks in the armour there. And they got a dangerous game today at uh, four o'clock. They host uh, the Breakers. Sydney Kings a dollar sixty-five. The New Zealand Breakers two twenty-five, and a line of three and a half points. Now the tennis starts today at Melbourne Park. There's about twenty eight games on different matches on um, where are we at in the markets obviously Novak will be the favourite yeah he is so we've got all of those first round matches open Stewie and obviously there's live betting on each and every one of those and plenty of bet types open live as well uh, he opened favourite when we put this up well, six months ago and he hasn't really moved too much Novak he's $2 Alcaraz at four fifty. Uh, Yannick Sinner at 8, and that's the order they have been in. Uh, Medvedev 11, a couple of others to look at there. Runa, um, the Norwegian, he's at 26. Alex de Menor, uh, who's, uh, I see his rating's the highest it's ever been. Mm. He's at $34, so fingers crossed he can get uh, deep into the open. The women's is a little bit more predictable. Uh, Schwantek the fave at 3.40. After the draw, Sabalink has been the mover. 5.50 into 4.50. Rybakina at 5.50. Goff at 7. Uh, the rest are 17 or better. Always plenty of interest in Naomi Osaka. Hopefully she can get uh, some form back in Melbourne where she's played so well in the past. She's a $31 pop. Good on you, Jared. We'll talk to you next Sunday, mate. See you, guys. There he is, Jared Daffy with all the odds. Time to talk football now with our man Phil Moss. He's on the line. How are you, Mossy? 
G'day, guys. How you going? Good, thanks, good mate. Yeah, really good. I went out to... Oh, we'll get to the A-League in a sec. I went out to the double header yesterday. Entertaining matches. We'll get there soon. But I woke up this morning. I was looking for a cricket score, and I didn't find one because the Socceroos played India in the opening match of the Asian Cup. What did you make of it? Uh, look, I thought it was a professional performance, really. We uh, took a little while to get going in the first half. But, um, yeah, it's, it's always there's a level of excitement in a dressing room when you start a big tournament. And, uh, you know, I think that probably got the better of us a little bit in the first half and overplayed our hand at a few things, couldn't keep possession, uh, made the wrong decision a few times in the in the top third. But I think once Arnie got them in the dressing room at half time, settled everyone down, um, made a few substitutions in the second half, I thought, Things went really well, and overall, you'd call it a professional performance to, to get the job done and get us off to a winning start. So 2-0, that score was there. It was nil all at half-time. Did we have any standout players? Uh, look, I think the subs made a big difference. Um, certainly, Riley McGree coming off the bench, Jordan Boss, uh, you know, with his first international goal. I think he's going to be a superstar of that Socceroos side for many, many years to come. Uh, they were two that, that really stood out. I thought Mitchell Duke has always uh, laid the foundation. Uh, Bruno Fornaroli came on and, and benefited from that because Duke had run their defence around and knocked them about a bit, as he always does, and um, you know did a lot of grunt work. So they, they were the ones that really stood out for me. But great to see Matty Ryan out there, although he looked like Batman. Um, you know, he had to protect that... Uh, oh, that yeah, with the face guard on. Team back. Yeah. Now, the A-League last night, Bruni went cheered on the Sydney side. What's going on with Sydney FC? 4-3 lost to Adelaide. Their defence used to be rock solid. They're letting in three goals, or four goals. What's going on? Yeah, look, it's, um, it wasn't good defensively from Sydney. I mean, you know, they took a 1-0 lead. Really good goal by Anthony Caceres. Should have gone 2-0 up with Fabio, who missed Oh, one yeah. That, um, it, was easier to, it was easier to score than it was to miss, so not sure what, uh, what happened there, whether it got a bobble or just took his uh, eyes off and he definitely lifted his head, that's for sure. But, um, you know, if they went 2-0, I think it probably would have been a different game. But um, that chance proved really costly because then Adelaide went, um, you know, bang, bang, bang. And, uh, and then got the fourth later in the game. Sydney FC pulled one back to, to maybe make a game of it late. But ultimately, you can't be conceding four goals at home and expecting to take three points. So still some work for Ufuk Talley. To do obviously, but but I thought the way they started the game was very promising. If that's a sign of things to come for Sydney FC fans, you know, once they get it right for longer periods, they'll be um, they'll be a, a you know a force this season. Yeah, you're 100 percent right, Bossy. They were all over it. They were all over Adelaide, and then it kind of stopped. It, it it was just bizarre. Hey, just on that match last night, it was part of a double header. We'll get to the Central Coast result in a second. What have you made of the round where all the matches have been played in Sydney on the weekend? Fantastic. I mean, it's been a festival of football, hasn't it? And um, you know, I think it's um, been a, a great way to sort of bring the the, the two leagues, the, the men's and the women's uh, leagues, together, and um, you know, get them in in one one city. But you know, you wouldn't do it every weekend, of course. Um, but I think once a season, um, I think it's a good concept. And um, you know, it's um, there's certainly been some good uh, some good crowds um, and and some really good football and goals, and that's what'll bring uh, bring the crowds back. Yeah, well, the double header today is. Uh, the Sydney FC women are playing at 5 o'clock at Allianz 
And then there's the men's match, uh, Raw playing at uh, 7.45, and there's a similar thing happening. So you've got a men's match and a women's match, which was pretty good stuff. So the Mariners, mate, they snuck a point against Melbourne Victory. Yeah, they snuck it, and and I mean that because Melbourne Victory were very good. Mariners were they were a yard off. The the thing that you can give the Mariners credit for is they never gave up. They fought to the end, and they found a way to to snatch a point. But um, Melbourne Victory, <coughs> excuse me, Melbourne Victory were definitely the better side on the night. Um, and um, you know that Tony Popovich will be filthy that they walked away with any less than three points but um you know if you don't take your chances and put the game to bed you always leave yourself open and um and the mariners found the sucker punch they certainly did epl Ange takes on manchester united um tomorrow morning i think yeah that's right and uh he's been bullish to in the media saying that uh he believes his tottenham squad are capable of winning this title um so you know Ange doesn't say things um without an agenda and uh, without belief. He, he doesn't just throw things in the media like that if he doesn't honestly believe it. So great to see. Um, and, um, you know, this is a big test. You know, Manchester United have been a bit, um, well, very inconsistent all over the shop. Um, but uh, if Tottenham can go there and get the result, then, um, gee, who would argue with uh, with that bullish statement? Yeah, for sure and certain. This morning, Man City played, mate. What happened there? <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne is what happened. Um, he's back after five months out and uh, comes off the bench in, I think it was the 68th minute, scored in the 74th, and then laid on a sublime assist uh, for, for Bob's uh, goal that ultimately won the game. But, um, yeah, they're 2-1 down. De Bruyne comes off the bench five months out, doesn't miss a trick, scores a great goal and uh, sets up the winner with what is a, a, a pass that uh, defies belief um, to set that winner up. So, uh when, when De Bruyne is coming back to full fitness, um, Manchester City all of a sudden will, uh, I'm sure, will rocket back up that table. Um, not that they've got that far to go, but um, you know, certainly with the break they've had with the World Club Cup and, and so forth, um, and De Bruyne back in the lineup, watch out, here they come. Hey, Mossy, how many points you got thus far? <laughs> oh, it's a very social hit this morning. Oh, you can tell he was playing golf. I, I knew it too. You got it, Stewie. Well, I'm in Yamba on the family holiday, and uh, I didn't want to miss this show given the Socceroos That's the commi- <laughs> That's the sort of commitment we need from you, Mossy. That's what we need all the time and every time. Good on you, brother. Hey. I, I have to say, I just I ran into a few blokes at the uh, the Yamba Hotel, the Pacific Hotel, last night. Uh, Dorsey, Trent Collins and Pete Davies, they are avid listeners of the show. Um, I tried to nick uh, Dorsey's hat because it, it, it had corks hanging off it. It was one of those beautiful <laughs> Yamba hats. But uh, I promised I'd give him a shout-out on the show. So uh, good to catch up. Oh, with good on him. Hey, what's, what's the course you're playing on there, Mossy? What is it? Yamba. Yamba Country Yamba Club. Golf course. And good. Mate, I, I'll tell you, it's defeating me. It's a beautiful course. Um, beautiful morning here in Yamba, but uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll leave you to get to the serious business while I go and uh, keep hacking. Rightio. Okay, good on you, Mossy. And just in uh, football, Australia will play Syria Thursday night at 10.30. Uh, the Socceroos in their next match in the Asian Cup. There you go. It's news time. We'll be back with plenty more in the last hour of the show. Mainly your calls, 13 53. Get involved in the show. Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, the big sports breakfast weekend.
Yes, Neil Breen and Stuart Clark in the chair here at the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Ray Thomas and Dean Bulldog Ritchie will resume normal service in two weeks from today. So it's Stewie and I today. You got something to say, Stewie? Where is Bulldog? Where, like, well, he had he... another holiday. Like he, he went on holidays to go to the, on that NFL Odyssey sort of November, oh, did he, December. It, did he go to? Was he, he... he went to the states with some mates and went to some NFL games. Right? Did he go to Vegas with? No, the I don't think he got that Vegas trip. But he missed out. There were plenty of plenty of freeloaders got that trip. Vegas is interesting, Stewie, because you know I'm obviously you know work at Channel Nine and Nine Radio. Um, you know, the NFL, the, the NRL are going to take a lot of journos over there because they want the good publicity yeah. and everything, but the broadcasters sort of not so much. And they have to mount these broadcasts. It's a big expense. It's a big expense going into Vegas. And I suppose you can't have a crack at Peter Volandis. Whenever he's spent money on something, he's made even more money. Look at what he's done yeah. with racing, and it's a big call, and they're confident. Look, it's created a lot of hype, hasn't it? It's created a huge amount of hype. Like, huge. Just People talking about oh, we're sitting there. It's January fifteen or whatever it's it is. Forty seven days away, and we're all talking we're, we're about, talking Vegas. about going, going to Vegas. Like it's a great, you know, not not that Vegas needs a uh, you know a PR person because everyone wants to go to Vegas at different stages. But for rugby league, it's a huge, it's a huge event. And then you go into the whole betting market that will be that lives in Vegas, mate. There'll be people all over this thing, and if it becomes something every year, then, then it's a thing. Well, if they get one percent of the market over there. One percent, still hard to get. Bulldog, I reckon he'll dead set get a call up for it for sure. He's missing a couple of weeks in forty-seven days. <laughs> yeah, Just yeah. put him, put him down for not being here. You'll Sunday. be back on. You'll be back on. <laughs> now thirteen fifty-three, fifty-three is the open line. Plenty of time for your calls in this hour. Zero four one nine seven six seven two seven two is the SMS number. Now I mentioned the Australian Open for the first time. It starts on a Sunday. It's something we've seen at Roland Garris for the French Open for many years. I saw Craig Tiley was talking about you know trying to stop matches at four a.m. or something around. I'm not too sure. I just think it's another day for the broadcasters. But there's a full dance card there in Melbourne for day one of the Australian Open. Novak Djokovic will be on tonight. And our man Roger Rashid's there. He's on the line. Hey, Roger. Morning, guys. How are we? We're really well, thanks. Stewie and I got the schedule out before for day one, Mm -hmm. and there were so many names and so many matches on it. I just handed it to Stewie and said, here, Stewie, can you handle the schedule for day one in the tennis? So, Roger, we're now handing handing it to you. Uh, well, the 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 reality is it's uh, it's a big it's a big lineup. You know, you look on uh, you look you look on Rod Laver Arena, and day one is yeah, it's different. It's Sunday, but uh, look, there's been activity and activation all the way on Melbourne Park at Melbourne Park for the last week. So we've had some some great uh, great nights there, and so the tennis is uh, well and truly underway. It actually it's a bit of a festival which starts uh, definitely before the actual uh, first balls hit in anger. Uh, or, or well, in competitive spirit, let's put it that way. Um, so uh, look, so it's it's a it's been yeah you know, we had kids day here yesterday. We had a lot of families around. There was it's a great little it's a great energy. There's no doubt about that. If you if you happen to be in Melbourne and uh, you know we open up with Yannick Sinner, who's who's definitely you know on, on Rod Laver in at twelve o'clock, and he's one of the you know the top four favourites. He hasn't won a major yet, but finished off the year very strongly. Beat Novak. Um, in the in the um, round robin at the end of year World Tour finals, and so um, coached by Darren Cahill, so for the last twelve months, so there's been a real big shift in his tennis and the way he goes about, uh, and he's and he's now about now putting himself in a chance to to win one of these things. So he opens up 
Uh, then Maria Sakari, uh, she's a, she's a number eight seed. She she follows that. So there's no so there's a change in scheduling. There's two matches on on uh, on the day session, and then two matches on the night session. So uh, that's a shift in what we've uh, generally been used to. So it's a, there there is a there is a, a, d- a different feel to the uh, scheduling the way it sits. Just you know, I was going to talk about that. It's a fifteen day tournament as opposed to fourteen. Usually, it starts on the yep. Monday. It's now starting on the Sunday. the The discussion is to take away those late night, you know. And we've had some epic matches that finish at three and four in the morning and stuff like that. Um, does it really make a difference other than being a day longer? Oh, it gives it gives the fans more entertainment. I mean, you you know, if you if you're here yeah, in Melbourne, correct. you're here on a you're here on a you know you're already here on a Sunday. Uh, so it's it's it's. You know, it gives it. You know, someone like so the players that play on a on a Sunday now, well, they'll have they'll have that extra day to recover as well. So mm. I'd be putting my hand, if I was a player, I'd be putting my hand up for Sunday start, uh, for sure. And so I guess there's there's one more day of the festival, and uh, why not? You know, it's uh, the players are here. You're ready. You know, you know, you're not. You know, you're not. You've already fine tuned. You've had the matches of the you know, great lead in around the, the country. This uh, this summer has been fantastic in all parts of. Uh, Australia, we've had some incredible tennis leading up. So just finishing off in Adelaide and Hobart. So, um, so it's actually, you know, I don't, I don't find it's. Um, I just think it's more value uh, for, you know, for tennis and tennis fans and sports fans if they're, uh, you know, if there's that extra day, uh, that's brilliant. I think you're 100% right, Roger. I think here we are. It's a Sunday. There's not a lot going on sport-wise around the nation. Bang, put the Australian Open, get it underway. Hey, Roger, let's talk about what you think might happen. It's easy to say Novak. He's won, <laughs> he's won 10 of them. Do you want to start with the men? What do you think about uh, the men? Yeah, let's go for it. In the men, I mean, obviously, you know, Novak, I think, you know, where where do you start? Where do you, where do you stop with Novak? I mean, he's he's... You would have said you're in your prime a bit earlier. Uh, he's still in his prime, and you know he's he made all four major finals last year. So mm-hmm. you come in as uh, really for me, you, you come in as a red hot favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, you know he's he, we've seen him play some tennis uh, in the United Cup. Um, you know, Alex beat him there, but you know there's nothing you, you forget about all of those. If you remember, 12 months ago, uh, Novak was in Adelaide and and so. You know, potentially suffered a which they thought was you know more than a centimetre or a two hamstring tear, um, and no one thought he might continue on for the Aussie Open. So he goes out and, and you know and gets through there and wins. So I think Novak sits there with um, Carlos Alcaraz, Yannick Sinner, and Medvedev. So you know, three of those four. The other two, two of the three, have won majors. So um, Alcaraz, obviously the young twenty-year-old who's who's brilliant for the game, um, and he's youthful. He's you know he's had some great heroes to and mentors to follow in the Dahl. We're unfortunate that he's not there, and so they're my they're probably the four that sit on the the dinner table together. Uh, mm-hmm. One's the captain, and the other three are uh, uh, they're taking orders at the moment. <laughs> but but you never know. Um, and then you know then there's a few other players: Verev, uh, Dimitrov wins in Brisbane. Um, Holger Rune, who's a youngster who's trying to you know he wants to be the number one player in the world. He's he's chasing that. He's got a fair way to go, but um, you know he'll get to the second week, and we've got Alex obviously here locally, um, and I'm expecting Alex to get to to the second week. He's, I mean, top ten in the world. How good's that? By, yeah, by oh, the way, awesome. Um, it's it's just an awesome achievement. Um, you know, when you're talking about a global sport and and um, and what he's been able to achieve. So he's top ten in the world. He comes into this. Um, you know, he should get to the fourth round for sure into the second week. When I say that, you've got to beat your what's in front of you, and then he gets a chance to play uh, Rublev. 
And uh, I, I actually f- seriously think, you know, Reblev's the fifth seed. Uh, I said, I think it's a great fifth seed to be playing. So, um, you know, he's got an opportunity. Don't be surprised if he sits in the quarterfinals and, and possibly coming up against uh, someone like Yannick Sinner. So a lot of work to do, obviously, but that's where I, I see the... Uh, the men's side of the draw on the women's, we've got Schwantek, who's number one seed. Uh, you know, hasn't um, her form's always going to be there and about. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Rebarkina's not mine, who, who I like. Rebarkina, I like her, the way she goes about it. Uh, she's, you know, she's won, she's won majors. Uh, she's on that side of the draw. So um, there's the potentially, potentially look after, get each other in the semifinals. Ostapenko winning in Adelaide. She's in the top 10. She's been there. She's won a major. She won the French Open. Um, so it's interesting. Schwantek is number one seed. She's got she's got uh, Kennan, who was a, a winner of the Australian Open. You might remember her, Sophia Kennan uh, from America. Uh, she's that's the first round opponent. And then you've got Daniel Collins, who's been an Australian Open finalist, and you've got Angie Kerber, who's a, who's been a former world number one and Grand Slam champion uh, multiple times. So they're in, they're the first four names that were uh, were picked out of the draw. So quite some of the sections are quite. Um, are quite interesting. So that's that half of the, the draw. And then I'm then I'm expecting Coco Goff, probably the youngster who's the current US Open champion, to win uh, to win through her uh, her quarter. Uh, there's a potential excitement, uh, an exciting match in the first round with Naomi Osaka, who's come back after now now becoming a mum. She plays uh, Garcia, Caroline Garcia from France, who was top ten player in the world. So that's a first round match which you you're excited to watch if you're a fan. Um, and the current Australian Open champion, Sabalenka. So it could be Goff, Sabalenka in the semis. Uh, that's that's what the form says, um, you know, especially ending ending the year. But uh, there's a lot of what I like about the women's side of the, the draw and, and their and their event is, I could probably give you eight names, and you know, and they've all got a legitimate reason to to uh, potentially win the Australian Open. So it's it's actually really exciting watching that unfold. Um, in the men's, we're probably a little bit more structured up. Um, yes, there's some opportunities and some great players, and the thickness on both sides is enormous. But um, you know, you feel like uh, it's going to come from you know a small handful. What's your tip for the men's and the women's? Hey, can you go <laughs> past Novak? Uh, I just you just have to you have to you have to be riding Novak. I think if you're you know even even if you're not a fan of Novak, I think yeah. you ride you know you ride right on that. Uh, you're right on that carriage there, and and um, I'm going to lean with Rebarkina, who I watched play. She won mm. Brisbane. Um, I like the way she goes about her tennis. I think the court suits her, um, and she's. I don't mind her draw getting through. Um, so yeah, so I'll, I'll lean there. And I got to ask you, mate, about Naomi Osaka. Like she's a good story. Uh, like her appearance at the Brisbane International was fantastic. She was honest about she'd fallen out of love with tennis. She's loving the fact that people are cheering her. She, she, you know, had some problems just dealing with the fame and everything. But she and Caroline Wozniacki are sort of comeback stories in the women's draw, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, Absolutely. Wozniacki's, you know, is is a great, you know, is a great story. She obviously watched Wozniacki. She's had, you know, she's had kids. She's sit there. She's watched. Uh, She made a comment saying that Serena at her best, nobody beats her still. Mm. Um, you know, I feel like Ash Barty still out here at the moment is clearly the number one player in the world. Um, you know, if she was still playing, yeah. clearly. 
um, I, I think there's still a golf uh, where she, her tennis was and, and the rest of the game. No disrespect to the rest of the game because it's it's magic. Uh, you know, when you go watch women's uh, out there at the moment, the depth is enormous. Athleticism is great. Um, yeah, so so having Caroline back, uh, it's great for the game. She's a former, you know, this is where she won her first major. Uh, Naomi Saka, four majors, finals, four wins. Um, you can't get much better than that if you're talking about pedigree mm. uh, and uh, and her status in the game. I mean, every time she turns up there, you know, in her first one, you might remember it was against um, against Serena at the US Open in a really dramatic fashion. So I think she's had a few. You know, it's hard to it's hard to just turn up and think you understand fame. Uh, you know, you're coming from, you're, you know, from Japan as well and how enormous she is over there. So you've always got to let them breathe and be patient with these players and uh, see how they develop as they mature. And I think Naomi, you know, she's taking another step. So I'm, and I watched her play in uh, uh, Brisbane, guys. Uh, she hit the ball extremely well, um, moved well, competitive, you know, competitive, wanting to be there. Obviously, time and tell, it's a small sample size, but um, I feel like she's going to be dangerous. And, and we've got 16 Aussies in the draw uh, as well, which is, uh, was exciting as well. So a lot to, lot to look through and uh, sift through for Australian fans to be able to get on the courts there and, and watch the Australians play. There's, uh, there's a big group of them. We're going to have some success, there's no doubt about that. Some, some tough, tough matches in there, but uh, we, we're definitely going to have quite a few players that can make their way into the second and the third round. So I'm looking forward to watching to see what that unfolds. Rog, the Australian Open always, um, it unearths a couple of new players every year. You, you hear from someone or someone from overseas that you've never heard of or comes through and does something great. Is there anyone that, you know, we you would have heard of, but maybe some of our listeners wouldn't have? Uh, gee, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of... Uh, Oh, there's at the moment. There's you know, it's interesting when you're watching when you're watching the young youngsters play. I mm. don't think we're going to get um, anyone that's going to turn up. And there's the only one is Miran Driva on the women's side. She's 16. Yeah, right. um, she's a real excitement machine. She's young. Uh, she's really competitive. Good size, about 174 centimeters, 75 centimeters, uh, strong, athletic. Um, so. On, if you're looking at the women's side of things, I think someone like her. Uh, if you have a, have a, you know, if you get get a chance to have a look at her, that's uh, that's where I would be leaning on the women's side. And the men's side's a little trickier because when you're looking at youth, mm. um, you know, Alcaraz is 20. Yeah, yeah, There's the youth if you want to, if you want to look at the youth. And and the reality is, it's just not it's not common anymore in the in the in the men's game to be able to turn yeah, up right. at a young age and and be you know, be that, be someone who's dominant. That's why what Alcaraz has done, what Rune has done, he's 21, he's young. Um, you know, so that these guys are young um, yeah. and they're and they're playing and they're uh, they're going extremely well. So already, but they're they're the. I don't think we're going to get a bolter that comes out and yeah. uh, does anything here. So um, yeah, so I think the the men are already there, but the on on Driver on the um, on the female side, she's she's exciting to watch. I'll be look, I'm looking forward to seeing her progress over the next 12 months because one thing's to get in the tour. In these, you know, when you turn up and you're young and you turn up, first 12 months is quite, um, you know, or six months is quite interesting for you because you're the unknown. You get on the court, everyone's a bit, you know, a bit surprised by your uh, your journey, and then and then you're viewed, you know, and and then they, you know, players start to hone in and take a little bit more uh, notice of how you go about things. So it gets a little trickier the second second year around for the majority of players on the tour. So I'm I'm always almost interested in watching the. 
uh, the players that make their mark on the tour in year one um, see what happens in year two because there's a lot more um, a lot more balls in there I think in year two. It's fascinating you say that Roger about the young players and I sort of sat here as as you were talking about it, thought about it, I thought well your man Leighton did it um, and you were coaching Leighton. Then there were the big three, like sort of late yep. sort of beat them to the kick yep. a little bit as this young precocious player. And, yep. and, and then the big three came, and you're right. There, there has been a dearth of the prodigy, hasn't there? Yeah, well, it's been tricky. I mean, Leighton obviously was, was you know, came in really young and came in early, did, did amazing. Um, and, and, you know, you, you had a lot of players before him as well coming at young ages, but... Um, obviously, everyone sort of saw Roger and knew once Roger sort of crystallised and got his game organised. You know, when you've got a, when you've got options mm. that run through the alphabet, it takes you a bit longer to structure up. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? So because so, Leighton you know, was got, better than Roger to start with. And yeah, same age, same better, age, uh, same age. They competed against each other. Had good, but you know, Leighton was you know, was, if you look at so it's pretty simple in terms. If you look at the a person that's got so many different uh, so many different weapons at their at their in front of them, it takes them, and they're young. It takes them a lot longer to find out what's best to use when, and how do I structure up my game, and what is my game? Mm. Um, you know, so it's like the big server, big forehand. They, you know, they those guys like a Mark Philippoussis. You know, they they learned one style, but they didn't really learn defence. Mm. Uh, so they get taught that later, or they try and get taught that later. Whereas Leighton uh, was smaller in stature, had to play virtually every point. So your court craft and your your guile around big points and how to stay in the points, your percentages, that sort of, that's the first thing that you learn. So your defensive skills, all those sort of things. So, and then Leighton, you know, was quite offensive. You know, we had some big transitions in, in the way he won points. Uh, might not yeah. be his naked eye, but there were some real big outcomes in the way he did that. So, and then he was very relevant, but he was number two behind Roger, uh, you know, and, and that's no, yep. you know, and Roger was beating everybody at that point. Um, and, you know, and, and then, then you got Novak and, and Rafa and they do their thing. And, and other players came through. Grigor Dimitrov, who I coached as a young kid, he's 19, 20-year-old. You know, you got to, you know, we're able to get to, you get to three or four in the world, five in the world, and you're hovering those single digits there. But, you know, no, Roger wasn't letting you win. Novak and Rafa, they weren't letting you pass. Yeah. You know, they were the gatekeepers for a, a long time. Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah, so, so, so it's been, there's been a, a decade and a half of players uh, that – weren't allowed in and then also in my opinion there were there are a lot of players that felt oh well we can't get in we'll we'll our push won't be as intense as it probably would have been if there was some you know if, if they saw some room but they uh, there, yeah, were, right. there were some players I done some players I thought would be could have been guys that could have pushed but they didn't really uh they decided to take a, a more comfortable route road okay that's fascinating, fascinating yeah. absolutely fascinating hey Roger thanks so much for your help mate we'll hear you on the station and plenty of other places. Who are you commentating for down there? Actually, who are you not commentating for down there in the next two weeks? <laughs> no, no. So, so I've got we've got the world broadcast that happens on as well. That then yep. that, that obviously hits nine as well. So they take it, you know, nine take a, a, Bits a and bit pieces, of their, yeah. their own and whatever. So you sort of you cover it. You get across all sorts of platforms and then. Uh, and I'm also doing some uh, ABC Radio. Actually, also do live broadcasting, so they call ball play by play, which is actually quite. I don't know if you ever listen to radio commentary, oh, yeah. tennis, but uh, it's, he goes through his forehand. Cool. He comes across to the backhand, backhand yeah, down pretty, the line, forehand down the line. Yeah, well, there you go. You've got it. So, <laughs> so it's actually quite it's it's quite good because if you sit there and you and you're not in front of a you know and you're not in front of a screen uh, to to do that's mm. actually quite good. You have you have a bit more. 
uh, time for some discussion as well. You know, yeah. it's a it's a little bit sort of cricket like if you know what I mean. You can yeah. have some discussion. Um, so some good stories told as well. So a little bit of that, and um, yeah, got a few other things that are going on. But uh, it's a busy two weeks. You wake up early, you go to the gym, you get sorted out, and uh, <laughs> you try you try and keep you try and keep on top of things for the the next twelve hours that you're at the tennis. So oh, day yeah. one's going to be pretty Mate. exciting. We'll look forward to look forward to the fortnight. Exactly. What colour pastel are you putting on your shirt tonight? Uh, I'm in. I'm just in the black. Today, okay. so, oh, yeah, going, coming out strong in day one. You always look strong in day one. I like the strong colours in at majors. <laughs> I always try to get my players to wear strong colours. So, <laughs> just, just don't uh, forget do a few push-ups before you go on screen. Get those, no, get those arms bulging out. It's all been done. <laughs> uh, good on you, Roger. Thanks so much for your help, mate. See you, boys. Good Thanks on, for having me on. There you go. Well, you're not going to get a better look or a preview of the tennis than that, are you? <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's about it. Ran us through the whole thing. It's going to be really exciting, and uh, we'll be able to watch it today. We'll take a break. Stu and I, we've got plenty to come. 13.53.53. Your calls as well. Talking all the overnight action. He's done it. It's done 100. Beautiful football. No title bigger than this. The Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Yeah, Neil Breen and Stewie Clark here for the last half hour of the show. We've got Adrian on the line. Hey, Adrian. G'day, Adrian. He's not there. Is he not there? We gave him the first call of the year and he's gone. He's gone. Do we have Gary on the line? Is Gary yeah. there? G'day, yeah, Gary. Good, no- good morning, uh, Neil and Stuart. Just uh, when Peter was speaking about the West Tigers and, and Benji, Benji was interviewed and, he sp- and, and they asked the question to Benji, What's your style of coaching? And he said, which I like, was the individuals, their skill, I want to bring that to the game. And I think he's right on that because what happens there is it gives them confidence and if they're confident, they'll stay in the game longer. And if, they can, if their skills can hold up under pressure, then you start adding on to their skills. And I think their hook is as good as anyone in the comp. I, I, think, I think if it works and blend them as a team – how he explained it, and I think he's, he's right. And the right assistant coaches, it's very important. You can't give jobs to the boys anymore. The game's moved on. We're more professional. So John Morris is a very, very good appointment. I think I think he's nearly a first-grade coach, if not a first-grade coach. And, and the other assistant coaches, you've got to understand, the game's always slowly moving. And you get the people who understand where it's going, they're the people you want in, in your club. That's how I see the game going forward. But I think Benji might, might be okay if you can blend them as a team, as the, their individual skills. I like it. It gives them confidence. When you're confident, you stay in the game longer. Good on you, Gary. Appreciate I, that. I, 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 I like it. Yeah, I think He's got right. me pumped up about I, it now. I, Gary's I, one, He's talked me round. Yeah, yeah. But, but Gary's right, you know. I reckon, um, look, NRL coaching is – it evolves – but in a lot of ways, it can get very structured. Like, like Des Hasler had enormous success, and then he went to the Bulldogs and had success and got them to the, what was it, the 2012 and the 2014 Grand Finals. But then he got overstructured, Des. We've got to be at this spot in the field. We're going to move there. This guy's not going to kick. That guy's going to do this. He's going to do that. And you take the individuality out of players, they just become metronomes. Well, I'll- well, having worked in it and talking to a few of the coaches over the years and just yeah. you know, just sort of asking them questions, the, the general consensus is you've got to – your coach or your style has to structure your players. Oh, yeah. You got, I've there's got no, these players, so I'll do this so, with them. There's no point saying – it's a bit like saying we're all going to play – remember when everyone was playing like Melbourne, the block play out the back? Yeah. Except Melbourne did it really well and everyone else tried to do it. Yeah. 
then it went to so no one even can play with Penrith now because you don't have Isaiah Yeo and you don't have Nathan Cleary and you don't have Fisher Harris and you don't have that's um, right you can't play you, like you, them because you, you don't have those players you know, so you've got to play a style that works that's the trick to it now I'm don't know how to don't know how to get there but um, that's what a lot of the coaches talk about when you're doing it so anyway is Adrian have we got Adrian oh, yeah yeah just just before we talk to Adrian the thing is um, the the six again. That's changed. That's changed, changed the game. Changed the game again, and has brought in a lot more unstructured football. Yeah. So you can't put the genie back in the bottle. No, correct. So the other thing you listen to the commentators talk about. Listen to Joey and people that talk. When you play Souths, you don't want to get them set restarts. You want to keep the ball in play. Yeah. So there's all those tactics that go into the that game. Go into it as well. Yeah. That, you know, you don't want to keep. Remember the days. Remember Wally Lewis would kick for touch, and you'd go down there and you'd have a scrum, and you'd slow the game down there. Yeah. They don't want to so do that. So different. They don't do that anymore. You're not, or they bag- do you're when not they bagging want- Wally, are you? I know I never bagged Wally. No, not, I'm just, not, not uh, just clearing that up. No, no, no Adrian, no, Wally, I'm, I loved him as a kid. Got to, I'm lucky enough to meet him a few times. And I know. I'm a bit, uh, hi, Mr. Lewis, <laughs> that type thing. Well, I knew him as a young journo and he was frightening. Yeah. And now I know him as a colleague and I know him quite well. He's still frightening. Different bloke. No, no he's, he's, a, he's a different guy. He's a completely different guy to when, what he was when he was a young player and he was absolutely frightening. Are you on the line? Hey, Adrian. Yeah, g'day, guys. How you going, Stuart and Brainy? How are you, mate? Look, this West Indies Australian 2 test series, if Australia goes to the jugular and there's no breaks for weather, can you see either just go, you know, going beyond two days, two and a half days? Honestly. Uh, oh, mate, I, well, it depends. If it Australia depends. bats first and puts on a massive total. Depends how flat the wicket is. Like, the wicket in Adelaide can be pretty flat. Yeah, They'll be played. It never it's rains cool. in Adelaide, Adrian, for the test, ever. Look, I want, I want to talk about Cricket Australia as well after this, but you know, they're talking about Kimo Reach, Reach being their strike bowler. He's got to be 40, hasn't he? No, I mean, the West Indies yeah. are probably the worst side test side in, in the world, and I would back Pakistan, who Australia beat quite comfortably 3-0, to destroy the West Indies. That's how bad they are. Oh, I don't think, mate, I don't think it'll be close, Adrian. I think Australia have got more firepower across the park. They reckon they've got one kid that bowls quick, not Kemo Roach. There's another one that bowls a bit quick. I've never seen him bowl, but I've been told by numerous sources from within the Australian team that uh, he bowls quite quickly. Doesn't mean he's any good or not, but he bowls with good pace. Just on cricket Australia, I mean, they talked about leaving Cameron Bancroft out as a cricketing decision. Well, I would have thought it would have been a cricketing decision based on him averaging 55 or 6, 56 in, in uh, Sheffield Shield, why he should be picked. I mean, Steve Smith, obviously, you know, because of his spin in the game, he just said, oh, I want to be open it. that's it. And they just buckled. I mean, Cricket Australia should stand for Coward Australia because the way they shut down Mitchell Johnson from his speaking engagement was pathetic. Um, 80% of the population, cricketing watching population, Supporters were with Mitchell Johnson anyway. He was a commentator, a respected person to make a comment. And then you had, you know, uh, George Barty, which I was disgusted in. When he played the mental health card, I thought he wouldn't want to be in the trenches with George Barty. What a disgusting thing to do. And one last thing, with the with the uh, Sam Paper situation in South Africa, can you, well, I want to ask both you guys, do you at all believe that the bowlers had no idea well, I don't believe that. Th- thanks, Adrian. Yeah. And and there's a lot of things there, Adrian said, that I actually agree with. Mm. I'm going to say this. I am not a test fast bowler. I am a high school medium pace bowler. 
I can't. I'm not going to look at Stuart while I say this. <laughs> I can't see if Australia was fiddling with the ball and that ball ends up in the hand of a bowler. They can't see something was happening. Take it away, Stewie. I don't. The bigger question is how long was he using the sandpaper for? So if if he yeah. if he'd gone one scratch on it, then you wouldn't have noticed. Wouldn't have noticed because it could have hit the. It, it could, it could, mate, have, the could ball, have got it on the, the cement. Ball the, scuffed, the ball gets scuffed all the time. To defend the bowlers, they they say they didn't know anything about it. Mm. So if you ask Hazelwood Stark, Cummins Lyon, I'm not going to defame them because they say that, and that's what they've said. That's and what they I, say. Got, I got no reason to not not believe them. But Warner's kind of left it hanging. We don't know what they're. But if it's been if it's been scratched for half an hour with sandpaper, and if, I, if we had a cricket ball here now, and you gave me sandpaper and I scratched it, I'd show you, you'd be able to tell pretty quickly. Mm. But if I put one scratch on it, I went outside and said, "If I done it or not." You, you wouldn't, yeah, especially if we, if you, if you and I were playing in the nets, yeah, you wouldn't. There's a bit know. of concrete around yeah. and stuff. You, you wouldn't you, know. You wouldn't have any wouldn't idea. Know. So it's there's a bit of a. I I, I understand. There's degrees that. of how long the whole, <laughs> the whole thing has just. You know, been you know, green averages. Short green averages fifty in first class cricket. You know that, don't you? C- Cameron Green is a great cricketer. Now and people go, oh, you know, in Tessie. Well, nor did Mitch Marsh. Sometimes you could, some players have got to come in and out of the team. Every batsman in Australian history has been dropped. Steve War. Steve War didn't come good until he'd had his first go. Learn a lot about himself. Matt Hayden. Matt Hayden would just make a mountain of runs for Queensland. They go, gee, sheer force of runs. How do we get him into this team? Then they put him in and he fails, and then he goes out. And he comes out and then he goes becomes the greatest open batsman ever. Mate, you name them all, Alfie. Langer, um, they all, Ricky, Ricky Ponting got dropped. Yeah, they um, all do the same at the tail end of their career too. They all struggle. Yeah, but that's what happens to everyone. And that's what the worry with Smith is. And that's what the concern is about going to the top. He's 34 now. Yeah. That not many batsmen get better after 34, no. 35. They always start, you start to slow. You, exactly. Everything else starts to happen. So that's why everyone's sitting here going, oh, I don't know if Smith should go up. A lot of them go down the order. He's taking it on the other way. Virat Coley's a bit different. Like, he seems to be getting better as he gets mm. older. That's a bit like, wow. Um, but it's you know, playing professional sport, and there isn't, you know, someone will SMS, but there are not many that get better as they get older. I, I understand. LeBron the James I, seems to be a bloody uh, uh, case in point. going nearly 40. Um, I understand what he's saying about Cricket Australia. You, you know, Cricket Australia was pathetic during the Sydney Test about Warner's caps. And when the caps turned up, oh, they were just in the room all along. The whole thing was, you know, this thing hijacked the agenda to the point the Prime Minister was talking about it and asking, pleading for Australia to return Davies caps that were in the team room. And then you've got that Nick Hockley, who's as weak as a wet paper bag, going, oh, and Qantas are the most wonderful people ever. We wouldn't have made it through COVID without them. Yes, you would have. You didn't go anywhere, Cricket Australia. Our cricketers stayed home here while the Poms and everyone did the heavy lifting around the world to keep cricket relevant. And by the way, did Virgin not keep the NRL and the AFL alive? Like, fair dinkum. It was, it was vomit-inducing because behind the scenes, you know what would have been happening? Qantas, their major sponsors, would have been ringing Cricket Australia and going, hey, the whole country now thinks we're bag losers again because of this bloke and his drive for extra publicity and the plea for my caps to come back. Like, I know we, it compromises you. Do we, we, we get no. an answer to the caps? Do we know what happened? No! No, and if you ask about it, you're 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 an you know you're an 
treated like an a-hole. You know, everyone goes, oh, don't ask about the Cubs. You go, like, fair dinkum. And, um, and the other thing is, you know, when Adrian criticises George Bailey, the problem for George Bailey is the head selector. And, and, mate, guess what? Australia's won everything in the last 12 yeah, months. Someone's doing a good job. Yeah. And that's including, you know, the captain might be woke and Bailey might be a boy's boy and all that sort of stuff, but they're dead set winning cricket matches. They're winning, they're winning, cr- they're winning cricket I, matches, I, I, so you can't criticise it. But problem for Bailey is he comes across as smug. Yeah, he does. He does come across as very smug, unfortunately. And George is not like that. I mean, I've known George for years. But, but he just looks yeah. smug when he sits there with that sort of grin on his face. Yeah. You know what I find hard, and, and a lot of players, a lot of commentators and people in the media, ex-players, he sits in the change rooms with them, and he wears the tracksuit. Not a great look. Up. People don't like that look. They don't like it. But the players within it think it's one. They think it's great. And I'm like, it just doesn't look good, because if you're not in the team, or it does it looks like if you're not in the inner sanctum, you're not part of the. You're no chance mm. of playing, and that's what people when they see yeah. Green getting picked over Bancroft because they're, they're in the, the they're, in, they're already in the group, uh, and Renshaw's sort of been in the group, and that's what people are like. Yeah, I don't know. Went for the people in yeah, the group. Yeah, that's what starts to irk people. Now, the players, they'll say, and if you ask Andrew McDonald, they'll say it's the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know. I'm, well, I'm and, not and I, and I heard the argument for Bailey wearing the team kit and being in the sheds as head selector and being in net practice. He His argument is, well, by being there, I know what the players are going through on a daily basis. I'm not just a remote person living a thousand kilometers away watching it on TV saying let's pick A. Yeah, so, but I am a you know I'm a New South Wales selector, right? I'm, yeah. So I go to the odd game and I watch and I sort of say hello to people, but I, I feel if you were sitting in the New South Wales shed for shield matches, yeah. you would feel as though the kid out in great cricket who's t- taken, you know, eight five-wicket hauls in the last yeah. seven matches would be thinking, well, that guy's not going to pick me because he's yeah. sitting in the sheds with them. Yeah. That's, you, what, that's I, what they that's think? What I worry about. That's what I – the perception is that. Yeah. Whether that's – that's not the reality of what would happen. But, you know, if you're getting runs elsewhere, you, you're still as much chance. But the perception is mm. you're too aligned to the pe- – and it's harder to get out of the team. If I'm ever going to go into the change rooms, it'll be post-match when everyone's around or when they're out in the field and there's only the coaches in there. That would be the only time I would ever do it. But otherwise, you go and sit by yourself and you watch from wherever you watch. Hey, let's go to Doug. He's on the line. How are you, Doug? Not bad, thanks. I hear about um, from the Melbourne Storms, one player signed up with Penrith Panthers called Jordan Grant. Jordan Grant. Yeah, he's a big forward. He used to play with Penrith years ago. So he's a Penrith junior, is he? Hang on a second. Yeah. Who's he signed for? Uh, Penrith Panthers. Oh, here he is. Yeah, here we're he looking is. We're at just, him we're now. We're looking at him now, trying to work out. I got a tip for you. He's a big boy. I wouldn't want to steal his girlfriend's handbag. One hundred and ninety centimeters, one hundred and ten kilos. Up. He's huge. Uh, play contract. He's huge. And train and trial and train. Trial, and, train, yeah. train and trial. Yeah, he's won one of those ones. There you go. He's on a train and trial. He's a big boy. I've had a sad day today. My girlfriend nearly got killed in Papua New Guinea. So just down the dump. Sorry to tell you that. Oh, that's oh, all right. So that Papua New Guinea situation's been pretty tough. And, and I feel terrible there, Doug. I hope she's okay in Papua New Guinea. There's been all sorts of drama going on there. 
I, I know. That was a bit of a left-field maverick. I thought I was back on 2GB. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, think, but I, I right. will say this. The drama in Papua New Guinea is not great for the push to put a team there. No, that's not going to help. Like that, that's not going to help. You know, and if we do put a team there, we'll have to base it in North Queensland. Stewie, you are off to the Adelaide Test this week. Yes. And funnily enough, for a bloke who's played Test cricket, you haven't been to Adelaide over for a while. And haven't worked in the media I, down I there. I'm going to get after the break. I'm going to let you know what goes on behind the scenes at the Adelaide really? Test. And for a working journal, it is the best job you can get in Australia ever. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You, you are going to come back ten kilos yeah. heavier. Jeez, Let's take a break. Don't need that. Talking all the overnight action. What a performance! What a moment this is! The big sports breakfast weekend. Yeah, hey, Stewie, uh, I got this question. Mark asks us this. He says, are the club players on the teams going to Vegas, are they going to be available for the All-Star Games? The All-Star Game this year is February 16 in Townsville. Mm. And I'm tipping not. I'm tipping not. I can't imagine Latrell Mitchell and those players playing All-Stars this year. You know, and Trell's had his injury. Yeah. But they love doing it. They love playing. I think they so leave, I'm just they, not sure. There's a discussion between the players and the clubs around this whole thing. Now, yeah. If the players are adamant they want to play, they'll play. The clubs will, and let, the them. Clubs will let them play. But I think the players, with everything that's going on, the travel, there'll be there'll be a workload management type plan put in place for all the, of them. There'll be so. something. Because the game's in town, so all yeah. that sort of stuff. So, Mark, I just think as it is every year, we just have to watch it. Uh, John says, why can't Lance Morris bowl a Yorker? Lee, Akhtar, Tate all had great in-swinging Yorkers. Lance Morris is the new Mr. Quick of it, Australian emerging fast it, bowling. I think the short answer is at the, he's, he's a work in progress. He bowls with great pace and he'll got to sk- harness it. his skills will develop over time. Okay, he's got to harness it. Uh, Baz says, uh, morning boys, Mike Hussey got better as he got older, Mr. Cricket. Well, he did. But after about 35... He didn't get better did, as he got older. He did. So it, it, it did for a point. And mate, that it, early 30s used mate, to be the sweet spot mate, for absolutely. golf. And then batting now it is. Mate, 28 to about 32 is, is when you're it. Like, it's when it's happening. As a bowler, I could say 28 to 32. You Physically, you're good. Mentally, you know your game. Everything, you know, all that type of stuff. And then after 32, it starts to... It starts to go downhill. Yeah, everything starts to break. Just you get old. Oh, Jesus, wake up a bit As sore. you get out of the car after yeah, a half-hour yeah. drive to training, you yeah, go, yeah. ooh. And then you start thinking, do I really want to go to training? Uh, <laughs> and that's when, that's when, you that's when you're in big that's trouble. That's when you know it's time to get the parachute out and pull it, pull the ripcord. Mate, Stuart, you and I have been fortunate in life, and we've been to many sport events. You as a competitor, as a commentator, myself as a journo. I've got to say that the Adelaide Test in Australia is the best thing you can cover as a journo. South Australian tourism gets involved. The Adelaide Oval, you haven't seen it fully complete. I've seen it when it's half done, not the whole kit and caboodle. The Adelaide Oval for a revamp is the best revamp of a ground I've ever seen in Australia. Like, as a revamp, I'm not talking the new Allianz compared to the old Allianz because it's a new stadium. new stadium, great. But the way they've incorporated, you know, that old reddish type Look, yeah, and they, they they kept that red brickwork. They kept a piece of hill. They kept the scoreboard. They've got the newsstands, all of that. Then South Australian tourism gets involved, and what happens is when you and your ABC colleagues join all the other working media and go down to the lunchroom at lunch, every day's a theme day. Right. 
So you go down to the lunchroom. There's a, a, a seafood-inspired day where South, South really? Australians – Yeah, so you go down there, and there's a guy down there who shucks the oysters fresh in front of you. Do you want six or 12? You're kidding. I'm not joking. So you think what I need to do is I need, I need to eat for the rest of today and tomorrow. Just, to, just, just get there Wednesday. And just load up. Yeah, and just – and just, like, make sure – like, on day one, if someone says, hey, Stewie, during the lunch break, we're just going to get you to go down on the ground and do no. a long – just say, oh, I can't. Oh, my um, – oh, yeah, just, oh, yeah, just the stairs and that. Stairs, my knees are no yeah. good. The only stairs I can go down are the ones that go to the lunchroom. Lunch, just got to go to the lunchroom. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, there's, like – they have, you know, South Australia, the beef day. Mate, it's unbelievable. Right, it's unbelievable. I've okay. never seen anything like it. I didn't know. I'm before uh, I covered my first test there, and people told bit, me about it. They I'm said a little it bit can't excited. So it's in the media when the so the media suites down the when the newsstand down the is in the newsstand. Yeah, yeah, up the top yeah, of the newsstand. No, down. but you go all the way down into the basement, right, bottom area, and you go down, and there's just this Adelaide huge is that the proximity to the ground to the city is the bit that Pe- people have bucket list. I want to go to the Grand Prix. Yeah. You know, I'm just talking about Australian bucket list. Yeah. People should have the Adelaide test on their bucket list. Yeah, right. It, well, firstly, when was the last time you saw rain halt play during an Adelaide test? It doesn't rain there in January. No, it's good. Right time of year. That, that right that time test. of year. They have the ground's great, as you say. It's across the road from the city. You walk across the Torrens and you go um, on the beautiful bridge that goes across there. You go past where they play the tennis last yep. week's tennis tournament, and then the ground there. You go back into town afterwards to all the bars and the restaurants. Absolutely fantastic, and out the back. Of that main new stand, they have that big food and drink area, which is just like tents and food. <laughs> and Dead Set, I go out there and I go, I reckon Dead Set, stacks of these people haven't seen a ball bowled and no, they're no, not they going wouldn't. to see a ball bowled. We used to look at them out of the back of the change rooms. Because so the change rooms could, could see you them. You could see them. Everyone would be going, wow, look at that person. There's people everywhere having a great time. And you're right. Great they, test. They, they'd all sit there and watch it on the big screen. They'd all be watching the test. It's actually going on just to, if you look, to your, right, away. If you look to your right, go and sit in the seat. <laughs> you can see the whole thing live. So actually, there's a question. There's an SMS here that says, will there be any grange being served? Now, the working media don't drink during the day. However, if there's grange being served, we might have to break the uh, protocol. <laughs> Listen, I told you there were a lot of good things going on at the Adelaide test. I never saw any grange. Right. All right? I never saw any grange. Right. Hey, you know, um, the summer of cricket, you've been doing it with the ABC. How does it all work? Like, how do all you – like, how do you know when you're commentating no, no, and when you're not commentating? And So there's lists and there's – up on the sh- – There's so lists and there's, there's, there's lists. There's, there's, there's schedules. So, so there's two people. There's the ball by ball, which is usually Jim Maxwell. Yeah. Um, Andrew Moore does it a little bit, so they do their bit. And then you've got the guy, the colour guy that comes in and talks, the ex-player. So there's Glenn and myself and Wacko Yunus were doing it in Sydney and Ali yep. Mitchell does it. So And who's know, doing it in Adelaide? You and uh Carl Hooper. Hoopsie. Carl Hooper man. Oopsie. Awesome. Uh, and I don't know who the other one is. I haven't actually got that far. But Jim will be down there, Andrew Moore will be down there. I think Ali's down there as well. So and how do you know when to talk? You just don't talk when they're bowling. Don't talk over the game. So the game okay. they bowl the ball and then I then we do our bit. And then they called the game. A bit like rugby league. You've got your colour and yeah. you've got your... So, but there's lists. So they do 20-minute stints. Stints, I do, or the experts do 30-minute stints. Oh, okay. So that's the way it works. Oh, so that's yeah. why you don't just have the same, the same people two. with the same yeah. two. But, the tri- but what happened in Sydney is that 
Glenn was on the day three. It's Glenn McGrath. It's Glenn uh, McGrath, and he yeah. can't do anything. So, but he's very limited. And uh, Wakaha went missing. So I did two hours straight. Hang on a sec. You buried the lead there. He, I don't know. He was on seven. So he's doing seven, and he's doing all these other commitments, right? So they didn't turn up. So I did like two hours straight. Of people, Are you joking? No, I did, no, I did me just talking. After a while, I was looking around going, is anyone else coming in here to talk? At I, any point. At any point. And I was just rabbiting on, and I was... And the unfortunate part is when there's nothing to talk about, there's a default position. You start bagging people because it's oh, easy to do and you yeah. don't want to do that. Like, yeah. You just don't want to sit there. You don't want to sit there bagging people through the broadcast the yeah. whole time. No, because so you, you turn negative because otherwise the game's just happening and you're, you're being positive and positive and after a while you just get, oh, bang, and you start, someone drops a catch or does something wrong and... And then people start bagging you. You weren't good in your day. Oh man, I'm not, I'm not saying I was. I'm not not putting my hands up here. So you just got to be. That's why half an hour's about and, it. And and so if Wakar is working for seven and the ABC, they, they roster him. They put him. But in who there. gets first dibs? Seven. I think whoever's paying the moolah, the more moolah. Oh, the more moolah. <laughs> so Wakar would say to the ABC, seven's got me down." Yeah, I think, and the right. ABC coordinator would do it all. Yeah, yeah, they'd do it. So they'd get together. The best part about the commentary stuff is out the back, and you would have seen this during the test match. So there's a big everyone's does it, got all the ex cricketers are there. Yeah, and then you go out the back, and everyone's having lunch together. So it's like oh, no, it's, it's hilarious. It's like having um, it's like your old cricket mates. Like so you're all laughing and joking. You're just all yeah. twenty years older. It's hilarious. But, you know, one day I was sitting last week with Wazzy Macram, Ian Botham. Some I can't remember who and Mike Hussey and myself and they were just talking about cricket and you're sitting there going what uh, I I tell I'm so quick a couple of minutes to go during the year I had lunch with Ian Chapel and Dennis Lilly oh and so, and so really? Dennis, Dennis was in town and someone said do you want to have lunch with him I said, absolutely when Dennis is in town he was like an idol growing up yeah and him and Ian were sitting there and they were just telling stories and at one stage they were, Ian said to Dennis Dennis who do you think's the best bowler batter you ever bowled to Dennis said Gary. And so I sit there with this other people, and then they started and Gary this and Gary that and Gary here, and, and so I said, "Stop! Are you talking about Garfield Sobers?" And they went, "Yeah, yeah, Gary." And I thought to myself, yeah. "What a surreal moment!" These two are talking like this bloke and his mate. I know that was his mate, and then and then they were talking about Viv and Clive and all. And I just thought to myself, "How lucky I am to sit here and listen and, to and these. to listen to it." I yeah. know I could have sat there for three days listening to these guys tell cricket stories of that year because I grew up with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I just. And, but it was just uh, the, the, the It is amazing. Stuff, it just sit there and they talk about their day. You know, I remember both them's ashes and and, and and Beefy will say, I don't know if I bowled that well that day or I didn't bat well that day. I'm thinking, mate, you won the ashes, mate. Yeah, I know. He's just such a lovely bloke. I, t- I tell you what would have been a story would have been if you had lunch with Ian Chappell and Ian Botham. <laughs> <laughs> and a what? photo. <laughs> Don't they no, hate each other? That, well, what about that? Dis- What's uh, going on there? You know, if people listening haven't gone back and watched the Fox interview with those two blokes can I, or can whatever I tell it was, one on one, bizarre thing. One on one, some of the best company. Like you wouldn't say a bad word about them. Like yeah, I can't, could not say a bad word about, about either, either of them. No, but that thing they did together was bizarre. It was a train wreck. It that was, was bizarre. <laughs> Ian, Ian Chappell was great to work with at nine. But I found him. Wonderful. I used to have to save him a seat in the press room. I, I, if I text him, he texts me back. We chat about cricket yeah. from time to time. He's a lovely fellow. So Ian Botham, oh, I'm going to strangle him, and he's a beefy. you know every swear word under the sun. Be- Beefy's the same thing. He sits out the back and laughs and jokes and tells stories, and you know 
I, I, oh, I'm speechless anyway. with that whole thing. Anyway. Rightio. Hey, mate, we've got to keep going. That's it. The show's over. Done. Thank- 10 o'clock, is it? Yeah. Thanks it's for just, a great show. Um, you know how we have to do this Ray Thomas thing? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so you have, I underline the bit you have to say, otherwise Ray texts us and says you didn't get the ending right. Coming up on Racing HQ with Grant Boydham, Priscilla Looker previews the meeting at Coffs Harbour, Richie Callender looks at Nowra. The Big Sports Breakfast is back tomorrow, 5.30. If you would like to revisit no. any of today's, is some version no. of it back or is it still no, highlights? It's a su- summer version. 6 a.m. I think. The summer version's back at 6 a.m. There we go. We'll fix up this script. If you want to see any of today's show, you can go to Spotify or the podcast icon on your iPhone or Android. Enjoy your Sunday and... Do I seriously have to say this? You have to say that. (laughs) And enjoy your sport.